reunite <laughs> and it feels so good. Ah, oh, guys, Amy and me are in the same room again. We're back. We're back. Fuck that blizzard. Fuck the blizzard. I mean, there's like four coming, but I know. <laughs> so, <sighs> but we're back in the same room. So nice the way your face in person. Likewise, just the way God intended. I know you don't believe. <laughs> The yes. universe, <laughs> goddess, whatever, whatever, Zenu, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> flying spaghetti monster, whatever anyone says, yeah. <sighs> I could go for spaghetti. Oh, oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, let's do this. Fuck yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. So we are, we're back together. Fantastic. Welcome. This is another fucking horror podcast, Kate. Oh yes, in case you weren't aware. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. To I'm, the show. Welcome to the show. We're going to tickle your fancy and pique your interest. <laughs> Don't mind if we do. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Trayton. Here we Here are. are. Fuck. First and foremost, yeah. I have to apologize profusely because I guess I'm going to blame it on not the fact that I'm Florida trash and I'm going to just claim. <laughs> Stop. Oh my God. This is escalating so quickly and I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to claim that my mispronunciations for last week was me channeling my inner Moira Rose. Oh, of course. Because she's I, a citizen of the world. Oh, Charlotte. she's beautiful and oh. amazing, and oh. I love her. Yes. So I would rather think that I myself am channeling a little bit of Moira Rose instead of just being an idiot who pronounces words incorrectly. So the word is winged, not winged, as I say probably about five times before I catch myself. So, but you know, here is if this is a Shakespearean sonnet. And he didn't hit the 10. <laughs> I need my extra syllable. Need, yeah, so you would put that accent. <laughs> Shakespeare, was, you're I, just classy as fuck is I, what it is. I did so many Moira Rose impressions <laughs> in my room by myself <laughs> where I was like, winged creature. I wish I brought, I'll, I'll wear it next time. My friend Nellie, who I've mentioned a great deal on this podcast because she's my ride or die. Last? I don't know because last year didn't really count. I think it was the year before. No, I feel like 2020 is like the 13th floor. We're like, yeah. we just don't mention it. We like, just don't we're just going to skip right over it. It's 12 to 14. It actually was in 2020. It was, it was January of 2020. That's why it's, it's a little dicey. It doesn't quite feel like last year. She got me, I don't know if it's a belated Christmas gift or what. I don't know. Or she's just super generous. That also exists. She just gave you a gift for no reason. She gave me a gift. Okay. And she got me this wonderful sweatshirt of Moira Rose that says, Bebe, it's cold outside. Yes! It's Bebe. Incredible. Bebe. I love Moira Rose. She's you amazing. You can't not. So I'm okay. I'm going to just claim that I was channeling Moira Rose and I decided that winged needed an extra syllable because it didn't feel right without it. I love so. it. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I was like, you pocket. didn't correct me. So I'm going to, yeah. You're a yeah. little culpable for this as well. Well, I also did Shakespeare for four years, so it just so, sounded normal to me. In, in my brain, so uh, the correct pronunciation is winged, but in my brain, like, to be winged with something is like when you get hit with it, it doesn't occur to me that winged is also a description for something with wings, obviously. I don't know your your. Oh, like you got winged it. by a bullet or something? No. Oh, shit. Maybe I'm just making up words now. Fuck. I'm going to have to do a correction next episode for this. I can tell you a secret. Tell me a secret. All words are made up. That is... That's beautiful, Monique. You're welcome. That is very true. 
I'm the type of person that I will make up words and then just adopt them into my daily life and then sound ridiculous when I use them in conversation with people and they don't realize that's like an inside joke almost with my friends and family. Perfect example, I once made a delightful portmanteau out of the words control and charge. So instead of saying, do you want to be in control of the remote or do you want to be in charge of the remote? Right. I would say, do you want to be in charge of the remote? And that just became a running joke of my family to the point that I would say concharge in normal context with other people who didn't realize that was an inside joke. And then I realized I have to stop that. And I, otherwise I have to explain myself to strangers and, or I sound like an idiot and they're like, does this girl know she's using a word that's not actually a word? I... I'm going to challenge you to not stop that because I think Ooh, that's thank like you. wonderful. I like, I like to think so. Yeah. And either people get it or they don't. For instance, I use the term goog. Which I love, honestly. And I heard it on from Queen Jillian Pensavale on True Crime Obsessed. Hey girl, you're fucking incredible. I'm obsessed with you and with Queen Patrick Hines and your entire show. And it's such a word that I would use. Yeah. Then I'm like, how did I not abbreviate? Because I abbreviate things all of the time anyway. And don't include anyone else in the abbreviation. <laughs> and Keep up. If you can't, fuck off. And I have never dropped... So I gave it a goog to a new person and had them not ask me, did you just say give it a goog? Yeah. Keep I... up. I'm not going to stop using it because the word is fucking incredible. It's so... I remember the first time you used it to me. I was like, that's fucking great. It's so good. I will give it a goog. Thank you. Queen Jillian Pensavale. Ah, Girl. Slow clap for you. Yes. Fuck yes. I do have a a correction. Oh, shit. We're all about corrections. Like, right out of the gate. Let's get it out of the way. Exactly. It's clean house. Like... Yeah. This is our our housekeeping, right? Is that... That's a thing? Yeah. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. Several episodes ago, I mentioned Eddie Izzard, who I'm obsessed with. wonderful and lovely, yes. I was not aware, um, because of every other motherfucking thing that happened in 2020, that Eddie came out as trans last year, and her preferred pronouns are she and they. Oh, So I mispronounced Eddie, and I am sorry, I just did not know. Good to know. I actually did not know that either yeah it was i it was a random a random goog rabbit hole of other things and then it was like 10 people who came out as trans last year and eddie was one of them and i was like okay what (laughs) i had no idea all right so i was like oh shit i completely mispronounced her oh no so apologies apologies eddie i'm still obsessed with you same, yeah. Any any pronoun and situation you like, because you're the bomb.com. You're the tits. Let's do this. She's got tits. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, Eddie's so good. So good. So Did good. you watch The Riches? Were you... I loved The oh. Riches. And it got canceled and it, it broke did. It was a really good show, too. It I feel was. like it should not have gotten canceled. It that was, was a... FX, right? Yeah. FX? They just fucking nail it. They kill it, dude. <sighs> I know. I'm trying to get you into Man Seeking Woman. It's. I started watching the other day. So fucking good. I, yeah, it's I just so good. I need to watch it in the day daylight hours. Simon it's, Rich is just fucking brilliant. Honestly, he does Miracle Workers too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if you've seen, but no, just the um the, like, the trailer or whatever. Not even like literally the subway ads. Oh shit, it's the print ads that I know with like Steve Buscemi and and, and Dana Radcliffe. Dana Radcliffe. Yes. yes, 
First season, amazing. Yeah. Loved it. Second season's good. It's one of those shows where the entire premise of the show changes in the second season. Mm. So I didn't care for the second season as much, to be perfectly honest, but I still I recall it. hearing that. Yes. That it's a very different, like, setup in the second season. A hundred fucking percent. Yeah. It's... Same characters, they just play different roles, and mm. it, it's like an American Horror Story thing. When it's, yes, yes, yes. It's all the same characters, but they're yes, different yes, roles, yes. and it's a different situation and setting and time period, usually, like, so. Which, speaking of American Horror Story, how the fuck is that still going on? I don't know. I've watched, <laughs> like, select seasons. I think I honestly got into it when Lady Gaga was in it, obviously, because I could She's phenomenal. I She's in Hotel, right? Yes. I, I think that's really the only season I watched with I any watched sort of attention. The first episode, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> I mean, that's the correct reaction. <laughs> I think, yeah. So, I mean, I was coming off of Queen Jessica Lange. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah, you know, I completely failed as a human being and as a child when they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I didn't write Jessica Lange. <laughs> she is goals. HBIC. She is like no joke. I mean, yeah. What else do you even fucking say? They did the season Coven. In New Orleans, because she's like, you know, it'd be cool if you did a season in New Orleans. So like, right. um, you're Jessica Lang, so whatever the fuck you want, you get. She's like, cool, amazing, <laughs> great. That's right, hair flip. Ah, uh, she's so good. Yeah, she's so good in everything. I love her. But I did like. Uh, did you watch Roanoke? No, right? You just watched Hotel. Ah, uh, I've like dabbled in the season. I do not think I watched any of that one. I feel like you'd really like Roanoke. Okay. Because the concept is, this is real and this happened, and this is found footage. Oh, So it's a very, like, celebrity ghost stories E. Mm, I love that. And Roanoke was a real thing to begin with, so obviously this plays into that. Right. Which I love. And I don't know why, but that little title card in the beginning of anything that's, like, everything you're about to see is, like, real footage. I, or, like, or actually happened. I live for that so fucking much and it doesn't even matter if it's true or not i love it so fucking i know fargo does that yes fucking great um less great and it got so fucking like panned by critics but i actually enjoyed it the fourth kind did that i didn't see it alien thing yeah 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 on brand yeah of course obviously i was into it gnome alaska i know it's Mm, mm. yeah i you know i had friends who really hated roanoke but I loved it. Andre Holland is in it. Fuck, he's incredible in, like, everything. He, I, I got turned on to him in The Nick, which I brought up multiple okay. times. It's like, full disclosure, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I'm trying to think what you might know him from. I was like, should I look up his picture? What was his name? Andre Holland. He's in a ton of stuff, and he's just fucking stellar in everything. Yes, he is. Moonlight is what I know him from. I still haven't seen him. <gasps> super fucking good I, it's I, really I know good. it won it's really good it won all the time I know sometimes I'm like not into things that win though because I feel like a lot of indie movies fucking they blow it on the ending yeah they fucking ugh I mean I I have because I'm in the Screen Actors Guild oh, oh. <laughs> so to be well informed votees we get sent screeners of movies or, yes. or digital copies or or we even get, like, movie bucks to go to the movies to see, like, certain... Oh, shit. Okay. It depends on what the production company and, like, how much money they have and they're willing to spend to I, promote their movie. I gotcha. So I have a physical copy of Moonlight. You haven't seen it? 
I worked with somebody who it's one of those like I worked with somebody whose girlfriend yeah, yeah, yeah. got all of those and I can remember one awards year he literally just like handed me the stack of everything that was up for awards and I was like oh my yeah. god thank you it's pretty rad it was very cool a lot of, I think some of the stuff like like wasn't even out of theaters yet honestly yeah. so yeah yeah it was very cool yeah that that happened I remember Iron Lady was still in theaters when I had. Uh, when I had the screener, and my which I, and you're technically not allowed to do. I was this. like, you're supposed to send it back, aren't you? Or, no, you're yeah, supposed no. to destroy it. Which oh. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. I destroy it. That's wasteful. Because they don't want piracy. Which fine, but like, can I just keep it forever? I don't keep off the open seas, okay? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm obsessed. That was so amazing. Thank you. It's so not. I was not expecting it. I know. No one ever is. It's amazing. I love it. I love to be unexpected. So I sent it to my parents because I'm like, you could spend there like you go. a billion dollars at the movies or I could just send you the Iron Lady. Because my parents aren't movie people anyway. They're not like, let's go to the movies. I think I've yeah. gone to like, as a family, five movies. Are you serious? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. That's not a thing. They also always picked terrible movies. That's why people don't like movies. If you only go to a few movies and all of them are terrible, yeah. like, why would you want to go to the movies anymore? Correct. I remember my younger brother picking the movie, which was The Mummy. Oh, fuck yes. No, it was terrible. The I was terrible. love The Mummy. My high school self loves The Mummy, and I don't want you to destroy this for me. Brendan Fraser. No, I mean, Brendan Rachel Fraser. Rachel Weisz. Amazing. Like, Brendan Fraser all day long. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm obsessed. But... It, you, I mean, it's, why watch The Mummy when you could watch Indiana Jones? Oh, I mean, I'll watch them both. Maybe. Like, <laughs> I don't know why there needs to be only there doesn't need to be one. It's not Highlander. You, you know, can, and, and the like bug under the skin thing was very oh, mm-hmm. traumatic. It's very disturbing. I was like, I don't, I don't need this in my life. And then we saw Pearl Harbor. I have never seen it because I heard it was so trash. And I did not give a shit. You are not missing anything. I didn't think so. I it's, think I was okay with that. I mean, you know, it's Pearl Harbor, so it's the 40s, so everyone looks beautiful. And it's, you, you know, love that, yeah. Kate Beckinsale looking beautiful in the 40s. And uh, it is it is not good. <laughs> it's not good. And that was my dad's... And these are, uh, like, years spread apart. Yeah. It's like, you know, Sunday was family day, and you're like, let's do a thing. And then someone would be like, let's go to a movie. We're not going to take, like, my suggestion. Of course not. Obviously not. Because it's Even though... Be- Yours would be much better, obviously, obviously, because everything you recommend is fucking on point. Except Hamilton, apparently. Oh, <laughs> We should preface the story with, I'm just not, I'm not a big, I'm not a big musical fan. The musicals I can tolerate are Disney movies because everyone is a musical, basically. Well, so, okay. Monique, defend me in some in some way. I know. I am going to okay. defend you. Okay. Also, for the record, I'm obsessed with Hamilton. I love Hamilton. I bought the hype. I have seen it live twice. I've gone backstage. She's into it. Yeah. I love Hamilton. I sobbed all the you time. Sobbed in that? I sobbed in Hamilton. I sobbed. Oh, for what? Oh my god. Oh, so many things. Oh my god. I don't you, get it. She also she couldn't finish it. So I couldn't finish it. I'm fine. sorry. But also, Amy is is used to a, a musical where there's spoken word scenes. Yes. And not just like nonstop. I was not expecting situation. that. Situation. It was a lot. It's too much for me. That's like, it didn't, didn't, um, South Park did a, wasn't it South Park that they did a thing about like the sing-songiness of Les Mis? 
everything yes. speaks like this. All of Les Mis is like that. I don't like that. I've never seen Les Mis. I think because I'm aware that that's what it is, and I'm just... Grease is fine. Again, anything by Matt Stone and Trey Parker, phenomenal. I will watch yeah. any musical they put out ever. They're amazing. You like musical numbers, not like... Basically, it's because Hamilton's like a hip-hop... A hip-hop rap, rap opera. I know. Okay, here's... It's me again. Sometimes I just don't like things that are, like, universally Sure. Liked. I get it. Forrest Gump, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Hamilton. I'm a fucking weirdo. I also, if this makes you feel any better, I'm that weird person that really likes things that are also universally hated as just, like, trash. Give me an example. Nickelback. They're fine. I really have no problem with them. Like, I don't really get... I have, there's several songs that I would sing every fucking word to, and I have yeah. no problem with that, and I don't really get the hate on them. Like, whatever. It's fine. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. I, I, there was so, definitely yeah. a couple songs from Nickelback that I enjoyed. Okay. I think that there were, there were other bands of that era. Like, I think Creed was way worse, and he was oh, just, God. was Scott Stamp, yeah. Stamp, right? Yeah. Whatever the fuck his name was. I was just trying to do an Eddie Vedder impersonation. Yes, definitely. And I'm like, no, homie. And then he was like, Jesus, but like also (laughs) like a major drug addict or some shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought like a born again Christian after that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I think Creed was a way worse band than Nickelback. Oh, yeah. And they don't get nearly the flack that Nickelback does. No. It's like fun or funny to make fun of Nickelback, which is totally cool. If you want to, like, fucking whatever. I don't give a shit. They're not my favorite band ever. They're just fine. I don't think they deserve the hate that everyone fucking gives them, honestly. They're fine. Exactly. They're fine. But there was way more subpar bands of that era. Fucking agree. Yeah. You know. Well, thank you. But, like, sort of supporting my Nickelback. I do support yeah, Nickelback. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I just—they're uh, fine. They're fine. They're fine. They're There's, just, they don't deserve the hate that they get. Honestly, no. Like, it's for some reason everyone decided that they were like great to hate to on. go it's, after. Yeah, and hate Coldplay was kind of same. I don't really like. They're again fine. Whatever. I don't really feel I one mean, way or the other. But yeah. I feel like everyone really liked hating on Coldplay for yeah. a few years there, where they were just like this fucking band. I mean, I kind of feel that that was Gwyneth Paltrow's fault. Oh, Goop did this to us? God damn it, Goop. Um, have you heard about the candle that smells like her vagina? <laughs> oh, have I heard about it? <laughs> what do you think is lighting this room right now, Monique? Yeah. Sweetheart, there's a lot happening with your vagina if that's what it smells like. What does it smell like? I have not smelled it. it. It's, there's so many things. It's like, it's musky and woody and... Okay, vagina should not smell woody. <laughs> there's lots of... No. Unless you're shoving mulch up there, like, I don't understand where that's coming from. And isn't it called this oh, literally smells like my vagina? I think this is what the candle is called. Probably. I don't understand not about Goop's it. deal with her vag and like <laughs> shoving shit up there. I just don't get it. I mean, Am I not living life correctly? Please write us another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com a period instead of the you and fucking. Am I missing out on like not throwing a yoni egg up there? I mean... Even though every guy now was like, don't do that, please. Don't do that. <laughs> That's dangerous. That's don't do that. Yeah. You're going to get, like, all of the, like, bacteria and shit in there. Don't do that. And probably a UTI, so. I mean, girl. Yeah. Nobody needs that. No. No, no, no. You know, Rush of Blood to the Head was great. I thought that was a great album by um, Coldplay. Coldplay? That okay. was, like, the, the big popular yeah. album. I thought, you know, it's the scientist. Okay, okay. Let's have a fucking kiki right now. If in your college years, I don't give a fuck when you went to college. If in your college years, you didn't turn off the lights in your dorm or wherever the fuck, or your parents' basement or whatever, turn off the lights, played the scientist, and sobbed about the unrequited love 
of your life like you were not living your life. Come on. The Scientist is so good. It's so good. I don't even know what song that is, honestly. You do. You I'm just, sure I do, but I, just just, not, I don't know the title. I'm terrible at that. I'm terrible with lyrics. I'm terrible with names of songs. I'm terrible with bands. There's no reason for Ugh. you to know that it's called The Scientist because the word scientist doesn't never in it anywhere. Cool, 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 cool. Love that. Yeah. Super helpful for me. That's great. That album's great, though. All right. And Coldplay's fine. They're, they're, they're Coldplay. They're you like Coldplay. them or you yeah. Whatever, it's fine. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. I didn't like when Mumford started sounding like Coldplay, but that's another fucking issue. I want goddamn banjos. Yeah. Yeah, Little yeah. Lion Man was great. Fuck. Oh, their their album, After after Babel, was very Coldplay. Oh, and I, was I don't... Like, I could just listen to Coldplay, though. <laughs> I don't need you to imitate them. <laughs> right. There's already a band like that. Cool. That... I, we talked a couple episodes about rewind. We talked a couple episodes ago about how I saw and everything. The first time I saw Mumford and Sons, that was like a religious experience. Really, it was incredible. It was incredible. I sobbed so much. It was so good. It was so. And this was right after they won Album of the Year for what the name? What the fuck is the name of that album that Little Lion Man is on? Sign No More? Sign No Oh my god, how could I forget? It's the first fucking song on the album. It's so fucking good. I saw <laughs> Mumford and Sons, the first performance after they won album, the Grammy for Album of the Year. And it was so it was at Barclays. It was fucking incredible. I sobbed so much. I got out of a relationship that I thought was gonna be the man I married, but thank God I didn't. It was so cathartic. It was so <sighs> amazing. So many tears. It was so good. I Okay, so full good. disclosure, yeah. I don't really cry at songs that much. The last song I can remember crying over was in college, so sure. fucking 10 years ago, at least, more probably, because I'm pretty sure it was like freshman year when I was like all emotional because I had to leave home. See, in person though, it's different. Is it? I've never yeah. cried. I've never cried at any, I don't, I don't go to really like very emotional shows though. I mean, I don't either. I go to see bands I like and then they just, like I went to see. Give it and you're like. <laughs> I, I mean, I cried every Yeah. Time. Like, I went so. to see My Chemical Romance. That was, like, my first oh, no. my first band. So, like, I mean, I'm not, you're not crying at Welcome to the Black Parade. Like, no. <laughs> you're screaming the lyrics to teenagers because it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The last song I can remember crying to was Samson by Regina Spector. Other than that, I don't really get super, like, emotional at songs. It's, it's mostly a live situation. Okay. I won't listen... Mine was not a live situation, for the record. That was just me sure. on a bus listening to that song with tears running down my face. So yeah, I, like if if it's like a not a live performance, like I have to be going through a situation and then relating it to the song. That makes sense. That that's kind of the only time that will happen. I just uh, live performance is a thing that is very it's very visceral. Yeah, it's very visceral. Yeah. It's very important to me, and I I used to try to go once a week to some sort of live performance, whether it was a play or a musical or comedy show or musical performance or something. So I, and it's just very important for my soul. And I, I, it probably has to do with the fact that I'm also a performer, predominantly yes. a live performer. That definitely contributes to it. Yeah. Okay. Sobbing to an album, listening to it. Death Cab for Cuties. Oh, okay. The entire album. Yeah. 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 No, like half of it. I fucking love Death Cab for Cutie. Oh my God. Transatlantic is a They're all, ugh. That album's so many amazing songs. The song's incredible. Yeah, it, I haven't thought about them in fucking years. Yeah, I years. saw them like two years ago live. 
And the thing that's funny is that when I listened to Transatlanticism, I was in college in a terrible relationship with a terrible person who was like very awful to me and very abusive and psychologically abusive and narcissistic and manipulative and all of the wonderful things that now people know are a thing. Um, but Before I did I was just like, yeah, you're in a shitty relationship. It's like, yeah. but this but love is supposed to be hard. Though. Yeah. Yes. That. You're supposed to work for it. No. Uh, not when they're garbage. And I used to listen to the Transatlanticism album and just sob. I kind of guess I can do that. But then a couple years ago, I saw them live. I've seen Death Cab live like three times. Oh, maybe? shit. I experience live stuff a lot. It's, it's very important to me, as I mentioned. And it was so bizarre to watch these songs and be like in an emotionally very stable, grounded place and be like, oh, I can listen to this without having a fucking meltdown. <laughs> It's just That's like lovely. a fun tune. So it's jam too. Yeah. Completely the opposite seeing Death Cab um, Live. It's like I'm in a good place and uh, I can just experience this and see the beauty of these songs and not be like, <laughs> but he's never gonna love me though. You know. <laughs> I think we all feel that. I think we all understand. Yeah. That was like fucking when somebody that I used to know came out and that oh, yeah. was like everybody's fucking jam and yeah. you could not go anywhere without hearing people playing it and singing it. Oh. Yeah. Gautier, right? Yeah. Gautier. I was like, I'm not even going to. After the fucking winged incident, I'm not attempting to pronounce anything. <laughs> so there you go. I don't have a problem with the winged. I love it. Thank you. That's because you're so kind to me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. People who know me know I'm not nice, actually. Like, like, I just get, like, a special version. Yeah, I was like, I know you, and you're very nice. No, there's people about. I jam with immediately, and I'm like, okay, I'm obsessed with you. And then there's everyone else, I'm like, I fucking hate you, though. Like, oh, I, I hate totally everyone. get that. Yes. And then Either there's people in- who are just like, we are zoned in, yes. we are in the same... So with you immediately, it was like, you, you're my bitch, for real, I'm obsessed yes. with you. Inner right circle. Or die, let's go. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. I know. I made an exception. I was done making friends because I was like, I'm fucking in my 30s and like, I'm kind of over it. I have all my friends that I need. I'm good. And I was like, oof, Monique's pretty fucking awesome though. I was like, I gotta do it. I gotta make an exception. I mean, I didn't realize I was living in that reality as well. Yeah. And it's I, real. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Real. Like, so you, I have you and then I had a new friend date very recently and it's like, I've made oh, yeah. more friends in the last year than I have in the last five. Spoiler, the grand number is two. <laughs> Still. That's it's called growing up. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, don't discount making friends when you're older. It's yeah. fucking amazing. And I feel bad that I was like, no, I'm done with this because I would have missed out on this wonderful joy in my life. Yeah. So, yeah. And you guys would have missed out on hearing about That's it. That's very true. Because this oh. podcast... <laughs> Doug! <laughs> Doug noise. <laughs> she just whipped that out of nowhere. I don't know. It just made Hug. sense to do it. You make sense to do it. I mean, that's going on my Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, what the fuck is this girl talking about? It's okay. I'm not on Tinder. I can't. <laughs> I don't know how anyone does it. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. If you're out there and you're doing it, like, I kudos. Praying like, for you. Yeah. I mean, I went, I did the internet dating for three months. Because I was so pissed at the last guy that I dated. <laughs> I have this reputation. Ooh. I don't know if it's a reputation. It's just the thing that happens to me of, I'll be with a guy. It'll not work out because they fuck it up. 
they'll be like, you're like every the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I love you, and whatever the fuck. And I'll be like, you know, are we still like meeting up on Saturday? And they'll be like, um, I can't be in a relationship. And I was like, I don't, we, I, I didn't say drinks. anything yeah, about a Saturday. relationship. It's just like, do I have to shave my legs or not? That's more what I'm fucking asking, but cool. I mean, not to whatever, but for real, real, you don't meet a woman like me twice, and these people fucking know that. Facts. But what happens is that there will come a situation where I happen upon a place, and a former person will be in that place, and will run out of the establishment upon seeing <laughs> oh, me. Oh, shit. As if I, like, murdered their family you or some shit. powers. Damn. You just, like, fucking... I guess so. Room. Yeah. So the last one was I was stuck on a train oh, with this person, and he ran. <laughs> he bolted. And and the thing is, we were on the train together, and I called him out on some... And we were stopped. Oh, my God. With the doors open. And he ran out of the train because I asked him a question about something he said that was bullshit, and he knew it was bullshit. And I just called, I was just like, BS, I know that was bullshit. And he ran out of the train like 70 blocks before his stop. (laughs) And I was so pissed that I joined like a bougie, you need to be like vetted and accepted dating site. I was like, fuck this guy. And uh, so I joined out of spite, which is the best way to get any results when you do anything is out of spite. <laughs> of course. Obviously, I went on two dates and I was like, this is not for me, which I knew. But you got to give it a try. Let's get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. I just am an old school kind of gal. I get it. I've never done the I've never done the online dating thing. Yeah, it's not great. My heart goes out to everyone who is. For like, sure. And the I, people who love it, that's great. I'm just not one of those. I can't handle that. That is not for me. Mm-hmm. I am totally a you need to meet me and get my personality yeah. in person. And yeah, and I need to get your vibe. Like, I don't know yeah. if I fucking like you off of a picture. I don't know if I'm attracted to you off of a picture. Yeah. That's very true. Like, are you smart? Are you funny? Are you quippy? Yeah. Usually is, what happens is does I... Does this dude fuck? Like, I need to... Exactly. Know. Yeah. Does he fuck? <laughs> This dude fucks. <laughs> this guy fucks. Yeah. Um, that's a... What is that? It's from, it's the dude from Silicon Valley. But he's yes, yes, that's what I'm referencing. No, no, I know. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. That he has his tequila tres comas, which is three commas. I did not remember that. Billionaire. Because he has a billion dollars, yeah. Oh, oh God. Um, Silicon Valley's great. <laughs> tres comas. Such a good show, though. It was great. Yeah. That was... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast that... After a certain time, my brain just doesn't process yes, things. All the feels on that. Yeah. So it's like in the 10 to 30 range at night. I can't really watch something new. I'm clocked out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and so the first time I saw I saw Silicon Valley, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what am I getting into? This is ridiculous. And I was like, what the fuck, the fuck is this? And I'm not remotely technologically apt at Yeah, I was going to say, so why would that seem like it's up your alley? Exactly. Sort of, I so yeah. I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. So I'm like, this is just not for me. And then I was on a flight and they had the free TV thing and HBO was on there. And I was like, oh, I guess, I guess I'll watch it. I was like, oh, this is hysterical. It's so good. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So I sometimes there I just go. need to give it a second. Don't judge a show by its cover there. By its, by its first episode. There you go. After 1030. Yes. <laughs> I'm like a gremlin. Like how you can't you can't feed them after midnight or put water on them. I can't watch something new after ten thirty. <laughs> but we can feed you and give you drinks after yes. midnight. Yes, please. Yes, please. Two, two preferably at least. You were 
Edward Forty Hands this. Yes! Edward Giblet Hands. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Ooh, that's maybe a game we should play one day. Oh, okay. Hey. I'm here for it. Hey, girl. The little coops. Yeah. <laughs> when you're done, duct tape. You got your titties right there. Boom. Bam. I love it. So, do you have a spooky story for me this week, Monique? I do. I so do you have always this. have the spookiest stories. So I'm going to be talking about Todd Curtis Naren and his great uncle Frank. So uh, like when Amy did Many Lives, Many Masters, she read a book for you. <gasps> I did. I read a book for you. <gasps> Monique. Yeah. Guys, you're so good to us. Oh, we don't deserve good. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sources. The book Country Stories of Ghosts and Bad Men by Todd Curtis Naren. The Spooked Podcast, which I'd love. Fuck, if you haven't listened to Spooked, go oh, yeah. Findagrave.com and viahedra.com. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry if I'm not. So, in his book, Todd starts this particular story like this. Quote, My dear old grandma told me and Walker Jr., who's his brother, this story. It's a good one, and I believe every word of it must be true, due to her being one of the most honest people I can remember through time, end quote. So Ooh, I'm titillated. Mm -hmm. So the story starts when his grandmother, whose name was Mildred Pierce. What? Right? Fuck. Fuck yeah. That's not, amazing. It's not spelled the same way, but oh, okay, shit. I don't give a shit. I was like, yes, yeah, shit, your name is Mildred Pierce? Which, uh, side note, if you don't know Mildred Pierce, it's a 1945 movie starring... Joan Crawford, uh, as a hardworking mother who's a divorcee, who started, yes. who opened a restaurant and had like a super, like spoiled cunty daughter, and then <laughs> I just love the word cunty so much. It's, it's like so one of my good. favorites. Ah, oh. I used to like be in the camp of being super offended by it. <gasps> oh no, I love it. And then I found out I was like, no, this movie no, it's great. amazing. No, you gotta own it. You gotta yeah. just like take the power away from it. It's fucking yeah. yours. Yeah. Oh and the, no, the love it. It. It's fucking the hard consonants. Yeah. They really oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Mm. Um, and then they remade it. Uh, HBO remade it several oh, years ago sure. with Kate Winslet yes, yes, yes. and Evan Rachel Wood. Yes. So the story starts with his grandmother Mildred Pierce had married the storyteller's grandfather. Otis Julian Naren and moved to a little family farm in northern Johnston County, North Carolina. Thing is, when they moved, Mildred didn't realize that Frank, her brother-in-law, would also be moving in with them. Ugh, no. Right? The family farm they moved to belonged to her father-in-law, Ivy Naren, and he stipulated that if the newlyweds wanted to get the property after Ivy died, they would have to take Frank off of his hands. And Mildred knew what the fuck time it was, and she knew why Ivy wanted Frank to leave his house and move in with them. Because Frank was what you would call a grade-A asshole. Todd said, quote, Uncle Frank was some kind of mean, and he was aggravating in about everything he did. Unquote. Uncle Frank was such an asshole that he'd fight anybody who crossed paths with him. And he would win most of the time, too. He was just a big bully and definitely was giving me Ken Rex McElroy vibes from Skidmore, Missouri. Yeah. So, of course, because of this, not only would nobody talk to him, nobody would hire him or do business with him either, except the rich moonshiner in the area. And he didn't hire Frank to make the liquor or drive it to its final location. He hired Frank to be his enforcer. Ugh. 
He collected the money and beat up those who owed money or bothered the moonshiner. And Uncle Frank was good at his job, too, because he always came back with the money that was owed. In case you hadn't already put together, Uncle Frank loved getting into fights. If he couldn't beat the shit out of you with his fists, he would escalate it to using a knife or a hatchet, which Todd really doesn't get into what that means. Like, did he beat them with the handle of the hatchet or was he just like hacking away at folks? I have no fucking idea. Like, this was not... Threatening? Like, oh my God, that's so fucking aggressive. He would say like whooping. Like he'd whoop them with, with a knife or a hatchet. And I'm like... Oh, so maybe like the flat of it? You might be yeah, right on that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a weird fucking technique. I mean, I don't fucking... I haven't been in any fights in my life, really, so... I mean, yeah. Especially not with like a fucking knife or no, a hatchet. God, no. So, yeah, those are super different things. Like, yeah. You know, so I'm at a loss. I, my guess is as good as yours. Picture whatever you want to picture. Whatever, yeah. Sure. That's what he would do. And if he couldn't whoop you with any of these methods, Uncle Frank would throw a spell on you. And you'd be dead in less than a week. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Just like a little, little spell toss over there? Mm-hmm. A little nip? So Todd's grandmother, Mildred, told him the basics of the spell, but didn't tell Todd or his brother Walker Jr. all of it because he didn't want her grandkids doing it, because fucking obviously. She told him you had to get a dead cat. Oh, which also, like, trigger warning for everything that's going to happen. it. <laughs> <laughs> Starting with dead cats, apparently. Yeah, so, like, so trigger yeah. warning for the animal lovers for the next several paragraphs. Just, oh no, that's yeah. me. I know. Oh, I know. Okay. Just. She told them you had to get a dead cat, but you couldn't go out and kill the cat. You had to get one that was already dead. And you would have to put the cat in a pot of water and boil it until all the meat and hair had fallen off and there was nothing left but bones. Then you'd take those bones to the river or somewhere that had running water and you'd toss the bones into the running water and while all of the bones would sink, there would be one bone in the cat that would float and that's the one that you were going to need. Oh my god. I'm not reacting because my face is horrified right now. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So you take the floating cat bone back to whoever your enemy is and you put the bone underneath a rug. And as soon as they step on the bone, under the rug, the death spell would be cast, and the intended victim would be dead in less than a week. Holy shit. All right, now I'm taking copious notes, because, like, I have got some people. Yeah. Girl. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Not Johnny, you're safe, you're fine. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you would say that to lure him into a false sense of security. Because then there's record of the fact that I obviously would never do that. Obviously. (laughs) Todd said, quote, but that's all she would tell us about the spell because she knew Uncle Frank was in us too. His blood was in us and she didn't want us to turn out like Uncle Frank, end quote. So I did a side goog and I decided to look up what the fuck is the deal with this? Like, is this very specific to your family? Has this shown up other places? And it has, but different. So the big thing is uh, there's two major variations. One that it specifically has to be a black cat. Okay. That and, makes sense. Yes. And that it has to be a live cat when it goes... <gasps> in the water? Yes. Into the pot. No! Yeah. I know. I know. It's so bad. So we're going to get... Wait. I thought... I thought the... That's that's she what said... he... That's what she said. But when I've looked up, like, the background of this cat bone situation... Oh, fuck. So okay. we're going to get into that right now. So... 
trigger warning because we're going to talk about boiling cats alive for a little bit. I'm sorry. I didn't do this. I love cats. I'm a, I'm a crazy cat lady who doesn't own cats because if I did, I'd have like 74 of them. <laughs> in, a, in a small New York apartment. And that's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the black cat witchbone was purportedly used as an auspicious charm in addition to being regarded as a witch's relic. There are few theories as to why cats appear most prominently as the source of the witchbone. A cat's standing association with witchcraft and magic, their history of being creatures of the other world, they're being known as companions for the lonely and elderly, and the idea that witches can shapeshift, fly, or hex people in the form of a cat. The Journal of Folklore Institute states, quote, According to folklore, the black cat has within its body a single bone with magical properties, properties transferable to the man or woman who possesses it, end quote. Fascinating. Yeah. Does it say which bone? Is it... It's the it one that floats. It's literally just the one that floats. It's the one that floats. Yeah. <gasps> That's so fucking weird. Yeah. So I heard this story originally on the Spooked podcast. And I was like, I've never heard this shit about the bones or yeah. whatever. So then I looked it up and this is, it's a thing, apparently, that people. That's crazy. Because all the bones are the same fucking oh, yeah, material think. and consistency. Like, what the fuck? You would think. I guess not. In African-American folklore... An encyclopedia for students, author Agnand Parlad Fak, I know I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, states, quote, Amulets of animal bone appear to both ancient and worldwide. The magical power of the black cat bone and its associated rituals have been documented in nearly identical forms in Hungary, Finland, and Ireland, as well as countries colonized by Europeans, including the United States, Canada, the Philippines, and the Cape Verde Islands. The English toad men tradition is strikingly parallel. When the proper bone from a toad is recovered through rituals very similar to those of the black cat, its owner acquires a variety of uncanny powers, including the abilities to become invisible, cure various ailments, and attract good fortune. End quote. Holy shit. Yeah, so this is a That's fucking thing. Fascinating. Yeah, exactly. I am fucking blown away by this. Yeah, okay. In Southern folklore, a lucky cat bone, also known as a witch bone, is a common ingredient in hoodoo charms, as well as a no-protective charm for the holder. It could be used to control animals and women at will. It could also grant desires, the ability to unlock doors, invisibility, and the owner of the bone would be able to fly. Fuck yeah. Right? It wasn't considered a safe or benign magic. The black cat bone had a history of drawing fear and apprehension, especially in the rural african-american communities who saw the bone as potentially very powerful according to folklore simply obtaining a witch bone was enough to make a person into a witch holy shit so even if you didn't boil a cat nothing if you just got one from somebody mm -hmm. you were considered what fuck yeah if anybody's got a witch bone <laughs> hey however one could also kill a witch by obtaining and destroying her witch bone oh shit yeah the bone granted to them by their pact with otherworldly forces, which contained not only their power, but their life force. The magical object has a life of its own, perhaps even possessed by a spirit or the devil, which gave luck and power to the holder. As always in American witch lore, what can make a witch can also destroy her. And so the witch bone is a double-edged magic. It may give you initiatory powers, but in the hands of your enemy, your bone could be your undoing. 
The general idea is, if the witch is made by the bone, and it is the resting place of her power, which she had traded her immortal soul to obtain, that by taking that power away and breaking it, she would be rendered impotent or dead. That's the nature of witch lore. There's always an ironic loophole. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, back to our story. Mildred said one morning, Uncle Frank woke up, got out of bed, got dressed, slicked back his hair, said a few cuss words because he was like old Andrew Jackson, just cussing up a storm. I mean, that's my morning ritual. I mean, I don't know about you guys. Oh, when the alarm goes off, do I definitely curse myself? I curse myself. (laughs) And then I look at the weather because I'm obsessed with the weather. And if it is not the three months in the summer that we get in New York, I curse myself again. Yeah. Valid reaction. That is absolutely my morning ritual. So as I said, he slicked back his hair, said a few cuss words, as he had every morning. And then he walked out the back door and stepped on the rug. And he felt a little lump. And Uncle Frank knew what had gone down. (gasps) I was going to say, He picked up the rug and there it was, a floating cat bone. Somebody had finally decided to 86 Uncle Frank and you better believe that he was fucking pissed to shit about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The death spell was all over him and he knew that he was as sure as dead. But Uncle Frank decided that he was going to do everything in his power to make sure he found out who it was that killed him. So he heard about a witch in Smithfield who lived in a shack near the Neus River. Let's say it's the Neus River. And he decided to go and meet her. And she told him there wasn't anything she could do for him. It was too late for him. And she couldn't reverse the spell. In less than a week, most likely a couple of days, he was going to be dead. And there was nothing that could be done about it. At least nothing that could be done while he was alive. Oh. She told him, quote, Just as soon as you die... You're probably going to go straight to hell, which Jesus fucking wow. Christ. Like, don't sugarcoat it or anything. Like, Jesus. Okay. I mean, I know that he was a bastard and shit, but holy fuck. Like, to have that, it's like, what is that, that uh, Yiddish word, like that chutzpah? And be yeah. Like, P.S. You're probably super going to go to hell, like, immediately. Like, first class, direct Ooh, ticket. Tower of Terror all the way down. <laughs> exactly. So, you're probably, that's what she told him. Like, <laughs> Just as soon as you die, you're probably going to go straight to hell. By the way. BT dubs. That his soul would go before the devil, and that he could make a deal with the devil, and that the devil would tell Uncle Frank who killed him, and he would also kill the person responsible. Oh, okay. Take some revenge in, in right? hell. Yeah. However, if Uncle Frank agreed to this deal, he would burn twice as hot as a regular sinner. But Uncle Frank figured hot was hot, so who gives a fuck if you're burning twice as hot? Yeah. So he made the deal with the witch and the devil, and then he went back to Mildred, and he told her, quote, As soon as I die, wait for the next person in the community to die, and that'll be the one that killed me. <gasps> End quote. Gave me chills. Right? Fuck. Oh. oh my god, I'd be waiting with bated breath, for sure. I'd be like, ooh, who's Was next? Who's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure enough, less than a week later, Uncle Frank as healthy as a man could be, dropped dead as a doornail. Fuck. He was cussing, and then he just fell dead right in front of the smokehouse. That's how I want to go. I want to go out cursing. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. Absolutely. And Mildred did as she promised, and waited to hear who was the next to die in town. 
About half an hour later, she got a call that the preacher at her church had suddenly passed. Oh, not so holy now, are we? Mildred was kind of surprised that it was the preacher because, obviously, but when they went through his pockets, they found three other floating cats. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. Right? Oh! Is it your preacher? You were fucking, like, dealing with witchcraft and, like, yeah, the fucking dude. devil, kind of? Like, yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. I know. And so, obviously, Mildred knew who the fuck killed Uncle Frank immediately. Yeah. Uh, this guy, obviously. Yeah, and they have no idea how many people this preacher killed doing this. Fuck. And was his, like, was he, like, killing sinners? Is that what he thought he was doing? Like, he was, like, cleaning I, up the community kind That's of? what it seems like. Okay. The And Mildred told her grandchildren that she couldn't judge if that preacher was in heaven or not, but that she hoped he was. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But she sure as shit knew where Uncle Frank was, and that he was probably aggravating the devil to death. <laughs> Lake of Fire, yeah, fucking for sure. Right? After Uncle Frank died, Mildred and Frank's brother Otis and all of their children brought Frank's body into the house and cleaned him up for the mortician to come and pick him up and get working on him. But again, because Frank was such a fucking dick, none of the morticians in town wanted to pick him up and get him ready for burial. Wow. That's how you know you're a fucking dick. The morticians don't even want to take you. Yeah. Like, you're dead. You can't even, like, annoy them or do anything. But then it's like, ugh, I don't even want to fucking deal with this guy. I don't even body. want your fucking money. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So the writing was on the wall, and they figured Frank wasn't going to go to a funeral home. So they laid him in the living room. Actually, fun fact, uh, in the house, in a home, you used to have a parlor. But that's where you would wake the dead. You would you would have the viewing in the parlor in yeah. the house. And they did a rebrand, and they're like, no, no, this is a living room. And that's why it's called the living room now. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and that's Thank why you. homes don't have parlors anymore. They have living oh, rooms because it's for the living. I had no fucking idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you're from Florida, you have a Florida room for no fucking reason. <laughs> it's another living room, but it's not the living room. It's the Florida room. I have been corrected many a time that... In my parents' home, I'm not in the living room, but the Florida room. room? Okay. But the living room, you're not allowed to live in because it's pristine in case the fucking Pope decides to drop by or some (laughs) bullshit. Florida. It's a fucking place. It's ridiculous. So, back to the story. (laughs) Uncle Frank, he wasn't going to be laid out in a funeral home because he was a fucking dick. So they laid him out in the parlor to have a viewing of the body for his, so his friends and his neighbors would stop by and pay their respects. But nobody showed up. I was going to say, did he have any friends? No, he did not. He had no friends because he was a dick. So don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't be a dick. I mean, or or be a dick. If you don't want friends, yeah. And be cool with that. When my grandfather died, they had like a a priest come and do like a little thing at the the funeral home before like the next day where it's like the big church situation, the burial. And there were so many people, my grandfather, and you know, my grandfather died at 91 and a half. Oh shit. Yeah. And 91 and a half in a day. That's what it was. So at that age, like, all your friends are already dead. Like, you don't yeah. really. But it was, like, standing room only. It was Damn. fucking packed. And I remember the priest saying, how will I know I'm loved? Because people will show up at my funeral. And he Aww. was like, Julio was very loved. And I was like. <laughs> yes. Um, he wasn't, because he wasn't a dick yeah, like this Frank fucking was guy. Not, Frank was a dick. Yeah. So, I feel like the family didn't even really want to put it on. They're like, ugh, Jesus, okay. Yeah. Like, I guess we'll set his body up in the fucking parlor. Exactly. 
All right, so they fucking have the viewing in the house. No one shows up. Fine, whatever. So his brother Otis starts calling the different graveyards and the churchyards to find a spot to bury his brother. But nobody would take him. Damn. Saying that they wouldn't be able to sell the plots around Frank (gasps) because nobody wanted to spend all of eternity resting next to such a piece of shit. Oh, holy fuck, dude. Like, this is severe. this many people off? Yeah. I mean... Johnston like, County, North Carolina is not here for your bullshit. Like, dead people don't even want to be laid to rest near no. you. That's how awful you are. Yeah. Eventually, Otis just went to the back of his farm and started to dig. But the farm was just full of, like, hard red clay. Oh, and he God. wasn't able to dig yeah. deeper than a foot. It's a nightmare. So he went to his neighbors, who lived in a farm up a dirt path that the grandkids called Aunt Rue. And Otis went there and he asked her if it would be all right if he could bury Frank on her land. Yeah, and these are all farms, so it's not just yeah. like, you know, it's a substantial amount of land. And the kind old woman took pity on him and agreed to let him bury Frank there so long as he was buried in the complete opposite end of her property in the woods. So Frank wouldn't be that close to her or her house. I mean, I get it. I like don't want a body buried in my backyard, like where I'm going to see it while I'm drinking coffee on my porch or some shit. No. Yeah, it- I mean, yeah. Even though that was just a thing back in the days. You were just like, very yeah. whatever. It's such a weird thing to think that, like, if it, we didn't live in the time that we lived in yeah. and we lived with our family and a family member died, we might have to, like, prepare that dead body yeah. and bury them in the backyard. And that would be completely normal. There wouldn't be anything weird about that whatsoever. Yeah, that's like the custom of giving flowers and floral wreaths at a wake was started to hide the smell, smell? of the decomposing body. Mm, yummy. Right? And That's, you used to have that in your fucking house. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with weddings, though. Wasn't the bouquet originally to, like, disguise the smell? Because people didn't really, like, bathe that oh, much. Well, maybe, maybe, this is, that. maybe this is, like, a me, my the high school knowledge. I've learned something that's totally not true. But I was under the impression that it was back in the day when people did not bathe a lot. I'll have to look it up. Even that more of another reason why I fucking hate the bouquet toss bullshit. <sighs> oh my god. I tried to get out of it so hard at fucking Johnny's sister's wedding to the point that people literally called me out on how hard I was trying to get out of this goddamn bouquet toss. Oh, it's happened. I have been called out on the microphone. Oh, really? to get up because <laughs> everyone knows you're single and have been. So. People were like, you're really, uh, you're very clearly not into this. I was like, oh, could you tell by the 40 feet I was standing back from the fucking ride? No. Ugh, just, ugh, that, no, that's terrible. So, yeah, so that's what Otis did. At the bottom of her farm, he dug a hole and buried his brother. And because money was tight, he couldn't afford a headstone. And Otis marked the grave by planting a big white azalea bush over his body so he knew where he could find his brother in case he ever wanted to visit. And all this went down in 1939. And Uncle Frank had been all but forgotten some 40 years later when Todd and his brother, Walker Jr., were born and spending their time on the weekends with their grandparents at their grandparents' farm. And when they visited their grandparents, they would also visit Aunt Rue. And they went to Aunt Rue's house quite often, and she just loved having the boys over. She always had sugar cookies and candies and sodas waiting for them whenever they came over. And she would let the boys do pretty much whatever they wanted. She was the fucking best. Fuck yes, Andrew. Fuck yeah. Like, every kid, at least I hope every kid, had that person. Whether it was yeah. your grandparents or just, like, that older the person. Fun aunt or something. Yeah. yeah. You know, being, like, an Aunt Rue or just an aunt, you don't have to have your kid raise it 
wait for them to have kids and then become a grandparent to be awesome. Yes. If you're just an aunt or like the kooky, you you just, you get that off scot-free. You can just be you that you want. Yeah. from the get-go. You buy all the fun, terrible games they yeah. don't want to buy them. You get to fucking give them all the fucking sugar and shit. Yeah. It's you're like, great. we don't need a bedtime. That's cool. Yeah. You can go jump on the bed for all I care. Like, enjoy yourself. Fuck yeah. So one weekend in 1978, the boys were supposed to visit their grandparents, but Todd was very sick and he wasn't able to go. Walker Jr. knew he'd be bored with no one his own age to play with, so he brought his best friend, Ben O'Neill, with for company. And this was the 70s on a farm, and there just wasn't a ton to do. If you were lucky enough to own a TV, you had to watch whatever the adults were watching, you know, because yeah. what kid was about that life? Also, it wasn't like now where there's a network that plays cartoons none. Yeah, it was like, like three channels, and then there was a time when the TV turned off. There yeah. was no more TV. They just, yeah. They would like play, stand by was it, the national little, anthem? Yeah. And then that was it. It would just End be of the broadcast. Sh- End the broadcast. Yeah. That's Poltergeist. There you go. The original. Check that shit out. <laughs> And you don't have to go fuck yourself. If <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen it. I'm sorry. No. So Ben and Walker Jr. found some fishing poles and asked Grandpa Otis if they could go fishing. He said sure they could, but they would have to go to Aunt Rue's pond since it was close by and he could hear them yell if there was a problem or they needed anything. The boys agreed and walked the little dusty path to her house and knocked on Aunt Rue's door asking if they could go fishing in her pond. And she said, of course, because Aunt Rue's the bomb.com. Yes. And she asked the boys if they had any worms for bait. And they said no. So she smiled. She gave them a shovel and a little bucket and told them to go into the woods and find some there because she always had a lot of luck finding worms on the edge of the woods and the tobacco fields of her lot because I guess there was... Yeah. There were... Right That's there. so cute and quaint. I love it. Like, just go get some worms. Just whatever. Yeah. Um, this is not the life that I would be about, personally. Oh, I'm, like, living my best life right now listening I know. to this. Oh, my God. Yes. Hashtag city mouse. Oh, my God. Give me some embroidery <laughs> to do. What are we doing right now? Amazing. <laughs> I know. That's all you wanted to do. <laughs> I learned embroidery in the time that, like, I knew you and we worked together. I mean, that's amazing. Yes. I don't have skills like that. I no, just... It's not. It's not really a skill. <laughs> I'm impressed, though. Thank you. So the boys headed off, and they ended up going a little bit further than they should have. And they decided to start digging for worms right under a white azalea bush. No! The boys had never been told about Uncle Frank being underneath the bush. So as they dug about a good shovelful, they came across some of the biggest worms that they'd ever seen. And they pulled really hard to get them out of the ground, and they realized that they come across more than just worms. The worms were covering a human <gasps> And the worms were crawling in and out of the eyes and the no. nose holes. So they had hit the jackpot on the bait front. But like a nightmare scenario on every other account. Like, I mean, what? Yeah. And Walker <sighs> Jr. was scared of the skull and wouldn't touch it because fucking obviously. Why did they bury him deeper? Why is he just in like a shallow grave in the backyard? Like what the fuck? And Aunt, Aunt Rue's backyard. I this mean, is crazy. Yeah. And because children are fucking awful, Ben took the skull out of the hole. <gasps> And thought it was a swell idea to play with it Mm-mm. and start chasing Walker Jr. around with it. Mm-mm. That's bad juju. Yeah. Um, that's also known as desecrating a body in a grave. But, yeah. you know, whatever. No, no, no. No big deal. No, no, no. 
Fun Even me, atheist over here, like, no, no, you don't fuck with fucking dead no. bodies and skulls and shit. No. No. Absolutely not. So finally, Walker Jr. told Ben to put the fucking skull back, and Ben was a lazy little shit, so he just laid it beside a stump and oh. shrugged his shoulders, and off they went with their fishing poles. Ben. Fucking, right? All right, whatever happens to you, you kind of deserve at this point. No offense. Some shit's going to go down. <laughs> I'm aware. I think that's what you call foreshadowing. Guys, <laughs> they're learning all sorts of shit today. <laughs> so they get to the pond. They got their worms. They're ready to go fishing. And the boys find that these worms are super difficult to manage. They could hardly get them to stick on the hooks. And when the boys finally did stab them on the hooks, they swore that they could hear them making grunting noises. Oh, no offense. Like I've been fishing. It's pretty fucking easy to stab. The yeah, fucking, yeah. Yeah. Even and I've done it. Especially if they're big fucking worms. It's really like, it's an easier mm-hmm. target to hit. So exactly. Ugh. So that they're okay. like, no, 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 no. And they definitely don't make noise when you fucking stab No, they them, definitely so. don't. When they cast their lines in the pond, it seemed like every fish got scared and swam to the other end of the pond, what? trying to get away from the worms. Not a single fish was caught that day. Defeated, they walked back to their grandparents' house and didn't tell anybody about finding the skull. Looking for something else fun to do, Walker Jr. and Ben decided that they were going to spend the night camping out in the smokehouse. They got their pillows and their quilts and all the Coca-Colas and candies that their grandma Mildred would give them, and they went out to the smokehouse. And they spent the evening laughing and playing, and as night wore on, they finally laid down to sleep. And when they did, they began to feel something crawling on their toes. And it went up their ankles and up their legs and just went all over them. No, 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 no. And when it reached all the way up their necks, they couldn't stand it any longer. And they ran into the house scratching and crying and screaming about their skin. And Grandma Mildred couldn't see anything on the boys. So she said, quote, what do y'all get into? End quote. Asking if the boys had gotten into some poison ivy or if they were having an allergic reaction to something. Yeah. And it was then that Walker Jr. and Ben told her about digging for worms in the woods under the white azalea bush. While initially, they didn't come clean about the skull, Grandma Mildred knew what the fuck time it was, and she demanded to know if they found something else other than the worms. And the boys told her about the skull. While they didn't know who it belonged to, Mildred knew exactly whose skull it was. They admitted to playing with the skull and leaving it beside an old stump. Mm -mm. so Mildred got dressed grabbed a flashlight and told the boys to take her to the skull when they found it Ben picked it up and she told them to take her to the hole they had gotten it from and when they did she placed it back in and as she did worms seemed to come from everywhere and went back crawling all over the skull as the skull was covered the itching and the boys feelings of being crawled all over went away Oh, crazy. Like in real time, basically? Yeah. The three walked home that night, not saying a word. When Walker Jr. came back to the house, he told his sick brother Todd all about finding the skull. And Todd had told him that he was lying, but Walker Jr. insisted that he had. And ultimately, Todd says he's glad he never saw the skull. Because Walker Jr. and Ben O'Neill were two good little boys who didn't harm a soul. But after they had dug up Uncle Frank's skull, the two seemed to change. Walker Jr. had started getting wilder and getting into trouble. One night on September 24th, 1980, Walker Jr. was driving in a town that he shouldn't have been in when the cops saw him. 
and the cops decided to follow him, and Walker Jr. decided to run, and the police chased him. He overcorrected on a curb, and because it was 1980, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So he flew out of the car, and the car flipped on top of him, killing him. He was 19 years old. <gasps> Holy shit, dude. Of Ben O'Neill, Todd says, quote, I thought the world of him. Everybody did. He was a sweet boy and would have done anything in the world for you. But after touching that skull, he turned into one of the meanest fellows around, maybe even meaner than Uncle Frank, end quote. Wow. Ben ended up joining a motorcycle club. And while Todd makes it a point to distinguish that this was not a motorcycle gang and that all that it was a motorcycle club, I didn't know that there was a difference. That's what they always say. Right? And that all motorcycle clubs aren't bad, but this particular club was bad. And after Ben had been with them for a while, he got real bad too. To the point that a few of his partners got so scared of him that two of them held him down and cut off his head <gasps> and buried it somewhere in the woods. To this day, they don't know where his head is. What? That's one of those things, too, like, if it's after the fact and they cut off your head, like, one thing, but, like, to actually die by having your head cut off, yeah. like, oh, my yeah. God. I mean, it's all bad. Mm. It's all bad. Todd said, quote, I hope it ain't Uncle Frank that did all that to my brother and Ben. I can't say he didn't. I guess you could say I was kind of blessed that I had a sore throat that weekend because I didn't get to see what they saw. If I had of, maybe Uncle Frank would have jumped on me. There's no telling I'd even be here right now talking to you. You never know about evil. It's just got a way of following you around once you get into it. And sometimes you just can't shake evil. So I guess if you go looking and digging for fishing worms, you would be better off not digging under any white azalea bushes way down in the woods, or you might just be the next Uncle Frank. End quote. Ah! Oh my god. So here's the thing. Holy fuck. Okay. I initially heard the story on the Spook Podcast. Yes. And Todd Naren, uh, who... He tells the story, He tells right? the story. Personally. And yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's one of my favorite episodes of Spooked. I love this story. I love it so much. The thing is, I have to call bullshit on at least part of the story. Oh yeah. Fucking call bullshit, girl. Because what did curiosity do to the cat? Held it. Yuck. So Tell me. I went digging and sleuthing through the interwebs, looking for family trees and birth certificates and death certificates. And initially, I couldn't find anything on Frank. And I figured if you're buried in the backyard somewhere, you probably didn't have a death certificate. And it's like 1939. Yeah, so I don't really get whatever. Sure. And I also knew it was super possible that Todd, the author, had changed the names of everyone. And then at the 11th hour, I found it. The death certificate of Frank Fletcher Naren. On his death certificate, it says he was married, but I wasn't able to find a spouse okay. anywhere. He was born on December 3rd, 1913, and died on April 10th, 1952. Oh. So the death date automatically brings up a discrepancy because Todd said he died in 1939, right? and that it was 40 years later yeah. when they were playing, which it would have been 20 years later. Okay. Which, okay, fine. Because Walker Jr. died in 1980. So that's way less than 40 years time difference discrepancy. Frank's cause of death was listed as influenza coupled with severe diarrhea, which, damn, what a fucking way to go. Yeah. 
and under significant conditions, chronic alcoholism was written in, which I, know, I, mean, I mean, the shade of it all. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but there are so many situations I get myself into that I'm like, this cannot be what's written on my death certificate. <laughs> it, is, it is such a thing I'm so hyper aware of all of the time. Uh, no, I totally get that. So I like... I'm like, God, am I going to have like I can't die chronic like alcoholism yeah. written on my fucking <laughs> death No, God, I hope not. Shit. I don't think so. I don't drink that No. Much. He, had, he had influenza and chronic diarrhea, right? So the flu and shitting your brains out contest that he was healthy as a horse. Yeah. Right? Of course. Yeah, you know? of course. You know. Now there's the biggest piece of info to contest the story. Under funeral director... Stanley's funeral home in Goldsboro, North Carolina is listed, and Frank Naren is listed as being buried in Antioch Church Cemetery, now called Antioch Baptist Cemetery, on April 11th, 1952, <gasps> and you can even see a picture of his headstone on findagrave.com. Oh, shit. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, I had, when I found that out, I considered scrapping the story, no, I think why? it's a great story, and even if it's Grandma Mildred probably li- obviously lied through her fucking teeth, it's a great fucking story. It's a great spooky story. Fuck yes, honestly, the most intriguing part is the fact that all of these different cultures around the world yeah. have this belief in the the, the mysticism cat, yeah. of the cat bones. Yeah. Like, and I tried to find Ben O'Neill's deal, like, but the thing is, like, I don't know. When it happened. Yeah. I don't know where it happened. And back then, there's not enough fucking documentation to really... Yeah. And, like, would decapitating some, like, motorcycle person... Really make it into the news? No. Or on a fucking anything? In the 70s? No. No. And here's the thing. I also give the benefit of the doubt of, like, lots of false information was put on shit. I have family members who came from Cuba whose legal birthday is not their birthday. Oh, shit. Because, like... They literally couldn't be fucking like the the person taking down couldn't be bothered couldn't be bothered to get the right name. So it's like all four children will have the same year. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And my great grandmother, when she died, we were going through her papers, and in her last marriage certificate or documentation, it said it was like, "Have you ever been married before?" And she like marked no, and I was like, "Bitch, you've been married three other times." (laughs) Like, get it? No tea, no shade. But so people, especially, yeah. they didn't they didn't vet things. They weren't able to vet things like they do now. So I am even totally down with, like, maybe a lot of things on the death certificate were wrong. Yeah, and but it's all paper at that point. There's exactly. no fucking, like, overlying fucking computer system that we can refer to. Like, it's just whatever the fucking paper says. Yeah, and under his occupation, he had salesmen typed in. However... There was something else that was written beforehand. It was X oh, out, which I'm like, what, what the was that? What was that? Yeah. Scoundrel. And, but here's Scoundrel. the thing. Okay. Good if Frank life. wasn't a dick, his fucking like great grand nephew is just like sullying his name and writing yeah. books and being like, he was the Good biggest asshole ever. Yeah. And like, no funeral home would take him. What he was when he was in a funeral home, and he has been buried. He's like buried in a real graveyard. Yeah. Fuck. So Todd, I think I think you're doing a major disservice to Frank here. Oh shit! Sorry, Frank. Like, Sorry. I mean, rest in peace. Yeah, I rest guess. in peace. Yeah. Um, I hope you're not burning twice as hot down in. Uh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I had considered not not no, telling I mean, my findings, fuck. but I'm like, no, 
know. Yes. I would want to know. Woman of science, right? woman. I love it. Fuck yes. That was a clap. That was a clap. Was it a clap? It was a high five. <laughs> we literally just thought we participated in a two-person <laughs> clapping situation. It's really tough. Amy and I are very Ridiculous. visual people. We are. And it's a really tough. God. Making noises and you guys be like, what the fuck is that? That noise, yeah. For the record, we nailed that fucking high five. We usually did. I miss, but we were fucking spot on. And it was a good It was solid. It was a yeah. Good noise. It felt right. Yeah. It felt good. I mean, yeah. All this feels good. <laughs> Tell me more, Monique. I mean, we gotta turn off the podcast. No. <laughs> You can tell it's late. <laughs> it is late. Monique oh. and I are just slowly unraveling. It's fine. Yeah. It's been a long day. In the best way. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we might get reviews being like, this is the worst. Oh, by the way, we have a contest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think by we mentioned way, it. In case you don't know. Yeah. You should uh, enter the contest. You just have to leave us a review on iTunes and then you have to go on our Instagram and find our contest post and tag a friend. It goes all of February. We're going to announce the winners on March 1st. Get easy peasy. Get a free palm reading session and yes. a free tote bag made by yours truly. Exactly. Fuck. It's amazing. Hell yes. Got to. Yeah. So that was my... That was amazing. Thank I love you. that. I oh, It's sick that I'm like, I don't want to murder a cat, but I want to find out if this works. Like my scientific brain yeah. is like, I need... Well, the thing that's interesting is that the data. I didn't find anything about putting it under a rug and having someone step on it. Interesting. It was just the like floating aspect yeah. of the cat bones. It was that the witch's bone is a cat bone that floats. That you have to boil a cat, take all of the bones to like a water running water situation. There's yeah. gonna be one bone that floats. That's your witch's bone, and then it's like the source of all your power. So I think you could probably kill people with it, but it's not a. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Monique. Right. Okay. It was funny because when I was writing this, I was gonna ask you if you would. Uh, yes. Did you that even need to be asked? Like, what? It's funny because I was like, I'm not going to ask it because then I don't want my response recorded for all time. <laughs> and here I'm like, I don't even fuck. So, yes, yes, yes. Let me get a fucking go for it and be like, bitch, I'm going to fucking kill you. Of course. Oh my God. I mean, here's the thing though. If I want to kill you, you deserve it. I like, I really have a very high tolerance for people and their fucking bullshit. So yes. if you're on my shit list, like, what the fuck did you do? Here's the thing. Amy's completely right. I have seen her in some very taxing situations. Thank you. And she is such a pro and so incredible <laughs> that I thought I was nuts. I was like, Monique, you're clearly overreacting to this disaster of a human no. being. And then afterwards, she'd be like, oh my God. But, you know, because... She, Amy's a pro. And she keeps it in. And she's like, yeah, totally. I'd be like, what the fuck is happening right now? Which is hilarious because if you asked Johnny, he would tell you (laughs) everything I think shows on my face. No, I literally had to wait a month and a half to find out that I wasn't overreacting about someone being insane. And she's like, oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yes. She's just a fucking pro. Yeah. If Amy wants to kill you, you done fucked up. (laughs) Truth. (laughs) Truth. Like, I'm a nice lady, I like to think, no, for the most nice. part, but push me to my breaking point and watch out. It's funny because I, I, I thought that there would be a little bit more consideration about whether you use the, the cat bone. You're like, fuck yeah, yes, fuck get yes, I use those. the cat bone. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. Are you kidding me? I'm refraining from putting my answer on record. 
I mean, you can do that. I'll put my answer out there. It's fine. Also, like, none of us can run for office after oh, this Oh, no, no. I mean, I wasn't going to in the first place because I had way too many. I, like, talk about drugs all the time on this podcast. Like, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. There's also just, like, that, there's that part of my brain that's just so infinitely curious that, like, I would do it just to fucking see if it worked. Like, I would pick somebody who I thought deserved it to test my theory, but, like, yeah, I'd still want to... I want to see the fucking data. Like, I need the personal experience of it. Yeah. Do you know Santa Muerte? Uh, I have heard of this, yes. Yeah, so it's a saint that is not Catholic. And if you do partake in Catholicism kind of regularly, there was, like, an email that went out last year being like, (laughs) P.S., do not, like, pray to her because she is not a fucking saint. Like, this is, like, not a good situation. Oh, shit. And... Like, she, like, haunts you or some shit? Or just, like, you were, like, invoking a power that was not a saintly power? It was... was, It's it's not a good power. Okay. So, for a little Catholic lesson. So, there's saints. Love it. And Catholicism. Healing over here. I don't know shit. (laughs) So, different saints are the patrons of different things. So, you know, you have, like... Uh, I believe St. Cecilia is the patron saint of singers and musicians. So, if you're, like... I have a big concert tomorrow. I'm going to pray to St. Cecilia to be like, help a bitch out, you know? And she'll be like, hey. Hey, St. Genesius is the patron saint of actors. Uh, okay. Uh, St. Jude, my family's Lost patron saint. causes? Lost causes. Okay. And a lot of Spanish uh, cultures are a big fan of St. Jude because of that. Okay. And St. Jude, like, handles business. Like, he gets shit done. Yeah. And apparently, people who are, uh, I listened to a whole thing on this. So it was very fascinating. People, especially in uh, Central America, who are practicing Catholics, were like, St. Jude is taking his motherfucking sweet-ass time. So I started praying to Santa Muerte. And when you see Santa Muerte, like a a visage of her, like a statue of her, it's like the Virgin Mary, but it's like skeleton. (gasps) It's all skeleton. Oh, I love that. It's so creepy and awesome. And basically what she would do is be like, you know, if you help me get a job promotion or some shit, I would thank you in in this way. Well, it's like, it's kind of like okay. bribery, right? I'll and, do this for you if you do this for me. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And allegedly, Santa Muerte works much quicker and, like, gets shit done. I got a timetable. I don't have fucking... Yeah. All these, people are really sending me a lot of requests. I gotta get right. shit done. Okay. But allegedly, she's also very vindictive. And Ooh. you stop praising her <gasps> or, like, doing the thing that she... That you said you were going to do if she gave you... If she, like, held up her part of the bargain. Yeah. Then she, like, fucks up your life. I mean, tit for tat, like, you said you were going to do this shit, right. and I did this shit for you. Which, I mean, is not, I get like, it. A, yeah. a saintly It's. I mean, it's situation. definitely not. Right. But one of the things is that, I guess there's different candles with Santa Muerte that you can use for okay. different things. There's a specific candle, it's a specific color, that's, like, blessed in whatever Santa Muerte. That if in the wax you inscribe the initials of your enemy and you light it, that person will die. Oh, fuck. I'm not going to admit to considering it. I was going to say, what if you have, like, enemies with the same initials? Like, how do they know? <laughs> That's literally why I didn't do it. <laughs> you have too many people with the same initials. I don't want to accidentally kill somebody I really like because they have similar initials. Like, oh, um, my God. So, because I thought about it, I was like, uh, I mean, the good I'd be doing to the world. <laughs> would it outweigh? Would it yeah. outweigh me, like, burning in hell forever? Like, and it's like, what does that even mean? I know. And, and I was just too, like, freaked out to even, like, even considering it freaked me out too much. That, like, let's, 
It's probably bullshit. Yeah. The odds of it are, are of course. exceedingly high that it's but bullshit. But still. But if it were not, do you want that on your conscience? Yeah. Do I want that on my conscience? Yeah. Do I want to wield that power? Yeah. No. No, no, no. I mean, cooking for myself and keeping myself alive is giving me too much power over my life. <laughs> I always say, I'm a rung above barrel. That's where I'm at. That, you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I feel that that resonates very strongly with me, <laughs> yes. and I'm okay with that, yes. Like, I am not a housewife, a happy yeah. homemaker. That is not me. And my friend. I mean, even though I did make you a cheesecake, I brought you a cheesecake. You did! Today. She brought me an entire full cheesecake, which I don't even make cheesecake because you need, like, a fucking water bath and a springboard pan, and it's a fucking, like, 40 pounds of cream cheese. Like, it's a lot. So I am super impressed. I made shitty banana bread that I'm like ashamed to even gift <laughs> to Monique because it turned out so crappy and usually it's much better. So she makes amazing cookies though. You did the oh, red velvet they were good, were right? Fucking great. Mm, they were moist weeks. for like they two weeks. Mm. Yeah, those are really good. Like, I know we don't like that word. It yeah. was though. It just factually was. It was. Yeah. It's one of those words that I'm just trying the to take opposite back. Of dry. Yes. Yes. It's a word I'm trying to take back because I know it's like so universally hated that I'm just trying to be like, why? Like, why? it's fine. Moist. Whatever. Whatever. I'm going to name my kid Shrug. moist. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Honestly, the one word I can't stand for some stupid reason, I don't know why, it's gusto. It just sounds so forced whenever it's used. Yeah. I've never heard it used in a way in which it sounded casual and yeah. it just like normal. So I just hate it. Yeah. You know, it, that's... I just don't have a way with language, and I'm very envious of people who do, which is why I'm a big quote person, because okay, those are people yeah. who, like, nailed it. Yeah. Like, for instance, if you've ever read any of Dominic Dunn's work, he, I, I mentioned him briefly in one of our early episodes. Yeah, talking about the same culture guys. Like, yes. Oh, Dom- okay. Dominique Dunn was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. Yes. And he wrote this piece, because he used to work for Vanity Fair, and he became more high profile and prolific because he covered the major cases, crime cases of the nineties for Vanity Fair. So he was there at the OJ Simpson trial. He was there for Menendez brothers. Yeah. He covered all of it. Uh, so he wrote this really beautiful and heartbreaking piece about his daughter's death and the subsequent trial of her ex-boyfriend for her murder. And when he describes Dominique, he says, she was extravagantly emotional. I love that. And that she was not a sophisticate, but she was someone who felt very comfortable being in a sophisticated situation. And I remember reading that and sobbing because apparently that's all I do. <laughs> um, because I knew exactly who she was. Yes. And it was the thing that I feel that I am like that. And that that's someone that I, I would get along with. Like, I was just like, thinking I that. That you. is a very good description for you. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I just don't have that way with language. And and so I'm never going to say gusto unless it's, no. unless it's intentionally well, ridiculous. It's gross. Yeah. It, it always sounds intentionally ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that's why I fucking hate. I don't know why. It sounds forced. It sounds like you're like, oh, I want a little spurn. I'm going to just force it into the sentence. Mm-hmm. I like gumbo, though. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like gumbo? Let's do this. Oh my god, New Orleans. Yes. Gumbo. That and Po' Boy, let's do this. Fuck, fuck yes. Ugh. And king people are having king cake now. It's really upsetting to me because I'm having a king cake. Oh I know. You gotta get the baby. Yeah. Get the baby out of there. I've only done that once. I've only had the king cake once. I 
I think I've had it like twice. I have some family that lives close to New Orleans and I think we did it with them one time maybe. Amazing. And uh, then I worked with somebody here in New York who was from New Orleans oh. and when it was Mardi Gras, she literally got a cake delivered from Amazing. New Orleans. And so. uh, Next Tuesday. Oh shit. It's Mardi Gras. As we so it would be just Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, so just Tuesday. As we've established, I have no concept of time. Sure. I didn't know the Super Bowl was last weekend. Fun fact. Yeah. Monique told me today and told me who won and I was like oh okay cool uh I also wasn't aware that Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers oh shit did he I had no idea clearly oh yeah he he won the the Super Bowl I mean well that makes sense he's Tom fucking Brady yeah yeah I mean which I used to work in New Hampshire and fucking everyone's obsessed with fucking New England Patriots so I mean I've dated enough people from Massachusetts that I don't do that anymore. No. I mean... <laughs> we don't even have listeners so. in Massachusetts. It's fine. So whatever. It's fine. They're known as massholes for a reason. Like, yeah. you're aware. I mean, if you want to listen, though, we love you. But I know. <laughs> no I'm just probably not going to date you. There's no I've been burned by that dog too many fucking times. I am very happy that Johnny is not a sports person in any way, shape, or form. It's one of my favorite things about him. I That's pretty fantastic. It's amazing. I will watch... Every Marvel movie on repeat, I don't care. Like, that's the thing that makes him happy. Happily. Like, I would happily watch a Marvel movie over any sporting event ever. So, it's so funny you mentioned that. So, I'm someone that every conversation ever... I'm, I'm a, a big overthinker. Not so much with myself, oddly enough. Okay. I mean, kind of. I'm, you know, there's that, like, why did you say that? What? But I know my bullshit enough that I, I don't really need to dive into it that much. But I'm like, I know why I did that. I'm fucked up. But... <laughs> <laughs> like I'm used to me sure whatever but kind of every other interaction is kind of constantly in a loop and it's just an open tab in the back of my brain at all times uh it's really fun being me and <laughs> I love that term an open tab in the yeah. back of my brain that's very that resonates strongly. thank you and one of our very early episodes you talked about how you had just watched Iron Man and Johnny wanted you to watch some Marvel shit again, and he was like, "Fine, we won't watch it if you can name it's yeah if you can not. name the the villain in it." Even though Obadiah, just, I fucking couldn't even remember it during the episode, but I fucking remembered it right afterwards. Literally, like two weeks ago, I was walking in the stairwell, like getting out of my apartment, and I was like, "Obadiah!" Like that's literally. <laughs> I love you so. I kept thinking. The reason I didn't say anything was because I kept, I knew in my head it was fucked up and I kept thinking Ozymandias, which is one, the palm and two, a reference in Breaking Bad. It's the finest hour in television history. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. So that was the fucking name in my brain. And I was like, I know this isn't right. A hundred fucking percent. I know this isn't right. I know it's a Breaking Bad reference, but I couldn't think of what the fuck it is. And then I was like, the other day I was like, it sounds like... Jedediah, but it's not. It's fucking, yeah. No, I literally... I love you. And I was like, there's... I'm not going to text this to Amy. (laughs) She's going to explain this. No, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. Yeah. So that randomly happened. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago. Oh my God, yeah. No. But nothing was happening. I literally was just like, what do 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 You got got a crime 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 story? I got a little crime story for you. And I don't know if you've realized, but we should be putting this out on Valentine's Day. Yes. Hey. Hey, girl. So, because there was no way I was going to top your crazy-ass story from last week. (laughs) Oh, God. 
I decided that I was just going to stick with a theme this week. Fuck yeah. So, first and foremost, because as I said earlier, I'm a heathen and I had no idea that St. Valentine's Day is actually celebrating the execution of St. Valentine's. I am obsessed with you because I literally thought of this today and I was like, oh, fuck, that should have been a thing that I somehow... Oh, Talk girl, I'm bringing it up. We're doing yes, it. We're on the yes, same page. Yes, We're totally yes, on the same that's page. That's why we started this business together. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Two sides of a coin. I love it's it. fucking perfect. So yeah, I had no fucking idea that's what this was celebrating. And yeah. And I've been just living in delusion, apparently. No, it's wild to me because people are like, oh my God, Valentine's Day. I'm like, you know he like got like super murdered. He just killed. Yes. Literally executed. Yes. Yeah. Like fucked up. Yeah. Apparently, the reason was because he was officiating the weddings of soldiers, yep. despite that marriage had been outlawed for them. Yes, because they're supposed to be kind of like eunuchs and just like fight, not be like. I mean, no, it's fight and fuck. Do those things not go together? I, I thought guess they like not. went together. They want right. you to have that eye on the like prize, militaristic. Yeah, not you know, yeah. not poontang. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want a little poontang on the side? You know. Yeah. Apparently, the emperor felt that love and romance made for weaker soldiers. Mm-hmm. Which I disagree because I feel like you will fight harder for the, the ones you, you love. love. Yes. Yeah. Fuck yes. Like a man. I don't, you know, whatever. Here's the other thing that really got me about Valentine's Day, which I did not know either. So why February 14th became Valentine's Day. Long before St. Valentine's execution, February 14th had come to be associated with fertility and blood. Mm. Between February 13th and 15th, Romans celebrated the feast of Lupercalia by sacrificing a goat and a dog. And then whipping naked women with the hides, <gasps> all in the interest of making the women more fertile. Which, I mean, obviously. What? Apparently one of the popes did away with this, which, like, good on you, because it's fucking ridiculous. We don't need to be beating women with dead animal hides to make I them mean, more fertile. I mean, yeah. But basically, here's the thing that, that's kind of hysterical to me about Catholicism, as a practicing <laughs> Catholic. Pick a thing. Name There's a thing. so many. But they took all of these pagan holidays and they're like, actually. Hey, by the way. What if we just call this Easter? Facts. Like, I mean, they're even, trying to appeal to everybody. So, get it? So even like the theater, if you were an actor, you could not be buried on consecrated ground. Because what? you were on, the, the church considered you on par with a thief or a prostitute. A sex worker, rather. And Monique, how dare you? Okay. I mean... <laughs> Do my hardcore conservative Cuban Catholic family feel that this is a a uh, correct parallel? Yes. Yes, they yeah. do. Not the fa- not their favorite. Whatever. I'm a middle child. I need to rebel and be like, "Fuck you!" I'm gonna be. I'm gonna pretend yes. to be other people for money. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? Right. Fuck. And uh, the, so even the theater was super. They would do all these pagan shows. Yeah. And then there's a really well known. If you take like a history of drama class the Catholic Church took over the theater and then started doing, like, religious shows, and that was okay. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. It's because they're religious. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal. So, like, of course, they're just like, what is the most pagan holiday? Cool. People aren't going to stop celebrating it, so we're just going to rebrand. Yeah. This we're is going to be our people. living room. Yes. <laughs> not a parlor anymore, okay? Living people. People live in this room. <laughs> it's not Lupercalia. It's St. Valentine's Day. Like, exactly. it's your shit straight. Get it together. So, for St. Valentine's Day, we are going to delve into one of the most famous unsolved murders in American history, known obviously as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Fuck yes! Of 1929. Fuck yes! Sources, 
I listened to the podcast Stuff You Missed in History Class, Wikipedia, WeirdDarkness.com, which is a podcast. I did not listen to the podcast. I read the transcript of it because that's a little more my style, mm. but was one of my best sources, honestly. So if you would like a more in-depth discussion, called? Weird Darkness. Weird Darkness. Yes. Fuck yeah, great name. Yeah, I really liked it. Very in-depth, very detailed. Definitely check it out if you like want more of an overview of this because did a fucking phenomenal job, honestly. Uh, also use nationalcrimesyndicate.com and history.com. So obviously, because the time period is taking place, this whole thing starts because of everyone's least favorite amendment to the Constitution, Prohibition, mm. which went into effect on January 17th, 1920, one year and one day after its ratification. And this amendment banned the manufacturer sale or transportation of intoxicating liquors for beverage purposes. Interesting to note, it didn't ban personal possession and consumption, which I'm assuming the thought behind that is how would you get it in the first place unless you had made it yourself? You'd have to what? have done something illegal to obtain it. People did that all the time, though. Right? Bathtub gin. Let's fucking do this, man. Bathtub gin. Like, I got a bathtub. There's prison wine. Yes. Like, people do this all the time. So Fuck yes. Dude, laws I, that are fucking stupid. Yes. <laughs> this edition Agreed. of laws that are fucking stupid. <laughs> Brought to you by another fucking horror podcast. Hey, girl. And while it started with good intentions, Prohibition had a terrible unintended consequence because it started a new wave of organized crime centered around bootlegging. Yep. And it started immediately. Of course. Like so, midnight. It was like, yes. boom. So literally. Isn't that basically like Boardwalk Empire? I never saw it. Because yes. they kept wanting to hire me and then changing the role last week. Really? Minute. Oh. Oh, shit, girl. I was cast multiple times in Boardwalk Empire. And then they're like, Stop it. The role I has see you changed in... slightly and it requires you to be completely fucking nude and banging an old dude. Hey. Is that cool? And I was like, no, no. that's not slightly. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch that, but whatever. I get it. I can't have my cookies on a box set. No. You know what I mean? Girl, I get it. So because I'm a little bitter, I haven't watched Boardwalk Empire yet. Totally fine. I was super into it. I want to say like season one and two. And then I just was like, "Mm." this is a commitment. Whoever the, I can't remember. He plays Daredevil. I can't remember what the fuck his name is in goddamn Boardwalk Empire. Michael Pitt? Oh, who fucking knows? Is that his name? I know it's Steve Buscemi's in it. Steve Buscemi is in it. And Um, I met him a couple years ago and it was very exciting. Did you? I did. Shit. I did working. That is a fucking girl. It was, okay, so I... Charlie uh, Cox is his name. Oh my god, fucking, he's so sexy in that. Yeah, he was really why I stuck around and then, uh... They killed him. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but yeah. And then I think I tapped out after that because I was just like, alright, my heart is not in this anymore. Because like, he's gone. No. I'm not judging you at all. I couldn't take it. I'm, I, a very, I it. I'm a very superficial person, Monique. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so yeah, started literally immediately. Yeah. So the night Prohibition goes into effect, there are reports 1201. of- 1201. Hey, bitch. Yes. There are reports of whiskey trucks and freight cars in Chicago being hijacked and looted just an hour after Prohibition went into Holy effect. Fuck. So they were like, yeah, no, I want all my fucking liquor right yeah, now. Yeah, we're doing this for real world, not for play play. No. Yeah. I'm not going to be fucking dry for the next fucking five years. Like, no, this is crazy. Yeah. Especially since they didn't know how long the shit was going to go on. Right? No. So it's no surprise that Prohibition has been called the engine that drove the gangster era. Mm-hmm. 
And while there were gangs before this time, obviously, they were mostly involved in muggings and robberies, and as far as business interests were concerned, they controlled gambling and prostitution establishments. But with bootlegging now a viable business venture, there was a real opportunity to turn crime into a business. But along with that came turf wars, Mm -hmm. and Chicago was notorious for their blatant gang-related warfare. So, as you can imagine, from 1924 to 1930, the city of Chicago saw an uptick in lawlessness and violence, and there were over 200 mob murders during that time. There were drive-by shootings in broad daylight and liquor hijacking attempts during the night, and honestly, they didn't even really try to hide their illegal activities. Well, their attacks... These people were fucking untouchable, though. Yeah. Like, they were so open about it, and they were like, they couldn't... Everyone, like, the cops were bought off. Everyone yes, was fucking was bought like, off. Exactly. It wasn't like they're like, everyone knew Al Capone was, everyone knew everyone who was doing it. Yes. It wasn't like, we need to find out who's, everyone fucking they knew it. They fucking knew, and they just fucking couldn't take him down. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Like you said, they paid off cops, they paid off politicians, they primarily were just really violent with each other, so they yeah. weren't involving cops Civilians or civilians, or so it was Civilians one of those things like... Eh, whatever they're just killing each other and like we're getting paid off so like and they're the bad guys anyway so who gives a fuck if a few of them are dead exactly exactly so gangs usually paid the cops off to look the other way and their bootlegging activities continued some of these crooked cops would even ride on the liquor trucks to make sure shipments arrived safely (laughs) because (laughs) they're like I mean we're getting paid for this what the fuck else are we gonna do while the gangs mainly fought over territory in Chicago there were also ethnic hostilities involved in this gang warfare so the two main groups were the Irish North Side Gang and the Italian South Side Gang. And it should come as no surprise that the North and South Chicago gangs were at war with each other. Of course. Fighting over territory and power. You know, it, that's, it's hilarious because I've heard forever, like, the Italians and the Irish, like, don't get don't along. Don't get along, yeah. Except every person my age that I know that is Italian or Irish is Italian-Irish. Every single right. one. Because they just, they needed to bang. They need to bang it out. That's what... They, Guys, it's, make it, love, not war. Yes. It's like the Romeo and Juliet thing. Like, oh, I'm not supposed to fucking have you. It's so tantalizing. Yeah. Like, I get it. I get it. That's me with anyone who's not Spanish. That's what I'm <laughs> okay. supposed to marry. I'm like, hi. Hello. Hello. So in the early 1920s, a man named John Torrio became the leader of the Southside Italian gang. He originally came from New York and was part of the Five Points gang while he was there. Oh, but shit. it didn't take, I know, right? That's a fucking big deal. Yeah. But it didn't take him long to get into the Chicago mob scene and make an impression. After Prohibition, Torrio was one of the first to organize this underworld of gangsters and wanted to make the most of Prohibition from a business standpoint. Many thought of him as the quote-unquote thinking man's criminal. He actually wanted to divide up the territory and minimize the bloodshed. Mm. He also brought in a young Al Capone from New York City and took him under his wing, which Al Capone said of Torrio... I looked on Johnny like my advisor and father. Mm. At the same time, a similar thing is going on on the other side of town, and Torrio's counterpart on the north side is Dean O'Banion, a roughneck who grew up in Chicago's Little Hell neighborhood. O'Banion's protégés were Jaime Weiss and George Bugs Moran. And don't let the mob ties fool you, because O'Banion had a true passion for flowers. Oh, that's, you know, that's the shit, though. Like, that's... I, I kind of don't like people. I, I really don't like people. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really fascinated by them. Of course. I, you know, because we're all multitudes. And it's that thing of, like, if you ever saw The Sopranos, in the first episode, Tony does all these really viciously brutal crimes. Yeah. And then he's like, 
feeding ducks that are in his pool and yes. shit. And like and he gets upset because the ducks go away. And it's like it's a it's a whole thing of It's very human. It's very relatable. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very relatable. Like he likes flowers and it's like and he also murders people. Murders people. You can do both of those things yeah. and still be the same person. Exactly. Fun fact, I have only ever seen like the first two episodes of The Sopranos, so you really <laughs> just like nailed my fucking Sopranos experience. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> So, truly had a passion for flowers, and he was actually part owner of a flower shop called Showfields, and was said to have loved working there and making flower arrangements. My God. Which is really sweet. That's I was so like, sweet. that's very sweet. I can't wait to get into the brutal I know, right? <laughs> it's like, just you wait. <laughs> it should also be noted that his flower shop provided flowers for all of these lavish gangster funerals, mm. which were, quote unquote, fit for kings. Oh, and of course. included... Up to $100,000 worth of flowers. Holy like, fuck, in 1929? Yeah, so fucking all out. Holy crazy. shit. So, while relations between the North and the South Side gangs were already strained, it was a move by O'Banion that would tip them completely into enemy territory. O'Banion learned that the police were planning to raid the Seban Brewery, a place that he and Torrio held large stakes in. So, O'Banion decided to set Torrio and Al Capote up to take the fall. He offered to sell his shares in the brewery for half a million dollars to Torrio, who accepted the offer. The meeting was set up, and the police did indeed raid the brewery while the meeting for Torrio to buy the shares went down. While O'Banion's motives were unclear, he walked away free and ended up keeping the half million that Torrio gave him for the deal. And, as you can imagine, Torrio was pretty fucking pissed, and rightfully so. So, on November 10th, 1924, Frankie Yale... John Scalisi and Albert Anselemi walked into Showfield's flower shop saying they wanted to pick a wreath for a funeral for Mike Merlot, who was a prominent member of the Italian community. One of the men reached out to shake O'Banion's hand, but what seemed like a friendly gesture was really a ploy to keep O'Banion from reaching for his own gun. Oh, shit! While distracted and restrained by the handshake, the other two men pulled out their guns (gasps) and shot O'Banion six times. Holy fuck! Killing him in his own flower shop, which... I'm sorry. Could you imagine being the next customer to come into the flower shop? Like you're a little yeah. lady. You're like, I just want to get a bouquet of flowers. Tulips. And just like, oh my God, he's fucking bleeding out all over the place. Yeah. I mean, one, that's what I think of. Two. Thank you. The other thing I immediately think of is hot fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> she fell on her shoes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. O'Banion's funeral was apparently the most lavish that had been thrown because... I mean, obviously the flowers were on point. Of course. Capone even sent a basket of roses with a card that said, From Al. Oh. The execution at the flower shop set off the chain of events that led to the Valentine's Day Massacre. After O'Banion's death, Jaime Weiss took over as leader of the Northside Gang. A few months later, in January 1925, the Northside Gang sought retaliation for the murder of O'Banion. The leader of the rival gang, Torrio, was in his car traveling back home with his wife after a shopping trip. Little did he know that Jaime Weiss, the new leader of the Northside Gang, Bugs Moran, and Vincent Drusi were lying in wait to open fire on the vehicle. Torrio was struck in the jaw, lungs, groin, legs, and abdomen. Fuck. Weiss was moments away from firing a fatal shot into Torrio's head, but they were forced to leave the scene before they were spotted. Miraculously, Torrio survived his multiple gunshot wounds, but for obvious reasons chose to retire leaving Chicago and turning the Southside Empire over to Capone. And here's the thing, like, you get lots of money and power and jewels and the girlfriends and the whole shit, but you can't trust anybody. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust anybody because even your friends 
will fucking like rat you out. They'll fucking kill you in, in a second. I mean, the level of paranoia. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. And it's such a high, I, I feel the risk reward. Yeah. Thing is not just, worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. I'd rather work a shitty nine to five. <laughs> I agree. Fuck. <laughs> No way. I don't want to be, like, assuming everyone close to me might be wanting to murder me yeah. to take my position. No. Yeah. Fuck no. And it's that thing in, in Goodfellas that it's your, the people, like, your killers aren't your enemies. It's your friends, and they come to you in smiles and shit. It's like, yes. Like, fuck. No. I don't want to live that kind of life. No, man. Just want to run a How flower shop. Sleep? Yeah, thank you. How do you sleep for real? Miraculously, Torrio survived his multiple gunshot wounds, but for obvious reasons chose to retire, leaving Chicago and turning the Southside Empire over to Capone. Mm-hmm. For a couple of years, Capone and Vice were at war. Some sources say Capone actually tried to make peace with Vice, but apparently Vice was known for being a little unhinged mm-hmm. and was considered homicidal, which to me is more than a little unhinged. Yes. So they were never able to come to a peaceful resolution. In September 1926, Northside once again made an attempt at the South. Their target this time was none other than Al Capone himself. Six cars drove by the Hawthorne Hotel in Cicero, where Capone and his crew were having lunch. From those cars, thousands of bullets were fired through the glass windows and into the wall of the restaurant. Northside enforcer Frank Gusenberg even went so far as to get out of the car, stand in front of the doorway, and unload a hundred-round drum from a Tommy gun into the restaurant. Fuck. Despite the massive amount of firepower, Capone, like his predecessor Torrio, survived the attack. Fuck. Yes. One month later, the South Side decided to make a move. On October 11th, 1926, outside near the flower shop where O'Banion was executed, Jaime Weiss was machine gunned down by two of Capone's gunmen, one of whom was said to have been Jack McGurn. Taken by surprise, Weiss had no idea where the gunmen had come from. He was fatally hit, and as he began to fall onto the sidewalk, his confused bodyguard drew his 38 and fired off shots in the general direction of the shooters. Unfortunately, in the blind panic, he accidentally shot an already fatally wounded device. Oh no. I know. Which, Jesus, dude, like, way to fuck up your fucking job. Like, you're I supposed mean, to protect him and you literally, like, shot him as he was dying. Cool. I mean, that's that's one of the theories with JFK. Oh, shit. That this, Is it? Yeah. I, I heard that, that. That the assassination was actually a fuck up. By his bodyguard? Dude! That it was actually the bodyguard who killed him accidentally. <laughs> Which, could you that imagine? That would be really embarrassing. Like, if that was the truth, I would fucking keep that buried. I'd be like, no, 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 it was a conspiracy. Trust me. I mean... Let's I, not admit to that. Come on. The evidence kind of... Really? Points to it. Damn. It's I don't look that up. Points to I don't it. fucking look that up. Shit. Yeah. And it didn't help that all the Secret Service went, like, out drinking to a titty bar, like, till, like, six in the morning the night before. You're the like what takes your job seriously of the United States what is this Abraham Lincoln's fucking bodyguard like Jesus go for a drink in the middle of your shift after you show up late like go fuck yourself what is it with the bodyguards they're really shit like oh my god yeah there's a theory that that there was the assassination attempt that happened yeah and and then because there was a car behind uh, Kenneth because it was the motorcade yeah and you see like you see these photographs that there is a guy like on the edge of the car behind Kennedy yeah. standing up and then they floored it and he fell ah. back and people on the ground said they smelled gunpowder, which you couldn't smell from that far away. There yeah. was a depository. Holy fuck. Interesting. 
Oh my Could you God. imagine that if that was a, just like a fucking blunder of no, and it's become this whole like conspiracy yes. theory? I was a patsy and like this whole yeah. Oh my God! Honestly, like it would not surprise me because that's how I mean, fucking shit goes. Same. Yes, like I would be like. I mean, I'm disappointed, but also like I get it. Stupid shit happens. It fucking and the thing is, I just really don't feel the government no. would be okay with being like. Um, funny story. <laughs> By the way. Butterfingers. Hey, you remember Kennedy? Um, yeah. We didn't do so great of a job on the hiring aspect of that. No, everyone yeah. got drunk and went to a titty bar. And then you're they the, were hungover. You're the secret fucking service dude. Like, And they floored the car and he fell back and like accidentally pulled the trigger on his gun that was un- <sighs> unlocked. I have no idea, obviously. But yeah. this is a theory, and it's a compelling one at minimum. I'm so intrigued. I'm going to have to look up some information on this. Last podcast does a six-episode series of on it. Of course they do. Of because course. Because they're fucking thorough as fuck. They're okay. thorough as fuck. Could it have been four episodes? Yes. <laughs> because they go into every insane, outlandish theory ever. Wow. Yeah. All right. It could have been four episodes. <laughs> I still love, I love all of you guys. Though. You're amazing. You're but amazing. Seriously. Yes. Brevity. <laughs> exactly. Brevity's the soul of Shakespeare. Oh. Wing it. This girl. Wing it. <laughs> I never live it down and I'm okay with that. No, I don't, you uh, don't have to live anything down. It's fine. If you ask my mother about the word, I don't even want to say it. It's the B word to me and it's not bitch for once in my life. <sighs> Button. Apparently, I said that very oddly as a child to the point that I'm terrified to use that word to this day because I'm so afraid that I'm saying it wrong. I guess I said it with a very, like, a very thick southern accent. It's like, button? Yeah. I, apparently, that was the issue. I'm not really sure. I'm so, again, I'm slightly traumatized to this day, and I don't like using that word because I'm afraid I'm still saying it wrong. Diana, I love you, <laughs> but I think that this is a you problem. No, no, no. I was definitely <laughs> saying it weird. I was definitely saying it weird. And but it was one of those things like she would tell say the correct pronunciation and I just it was not processing in my mind and I would just say the same thing over and over again. And she'd be like, no, button. And I'd be like, I, I'm saying that, like, I don't know what you want from me. And she's like, no, say it again. And I'd be like, please don't make me say it again. I feel very, very embarrassed. I understand that. Button? I don't know. You got it. That's how you Thank say Thank you. It. Is it though? Is it Monique? What are words, girl? You. I, I don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I do, and only for the reason that I can blame all of my fuck-ups on them. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm just I'm just high. Like, that's fine. No big deal. You're also not an idiot. Thank you. So sweet. I'm this not. girl. Just factually correct. <laughs> I was like, I think you like me, so you might be a little biased, but I'll take it. I like you because you're smart. Aww. Yeah. Damn it, Moni. I'm going to get the tears out of you. Son of a bitch. It's not just going to be me crying. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Okay. So by the end of 1926, two Southside leaders had survived attempts on their lives against all odds, while two Northside leaders had been killed. Obviously, they're not doing great. After Vice's death, George Bugs Moran was left in charge of the Northside gang. Bugs Moran was a thug and known for his brawn rather than his brains. He wasn't anywhere close to the leader that his predecessor O'Banion was, and he actually got his nickname Bugs from his temper tantrums, and even though there was a peace treaty organized in 1926 between the gang leaders, it didn't look like peace was going to happen because it was very likely that Bugs Brand would fly off the handle at some point. 
So was that like a, a 1920s colloquialism? Is he's like bugging out? I think so. I think that's that what, like, yeah. What, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yeah. the reason. Okay. That was my take from it okay. as well. It didn't ever go into that, but like, I was like, oh, he's bugging out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. We're on the same page. Yes. Cool. Even during this so-called peaceful time, Moran continued to try to stir up trouble between him and Capone. For example, he ordered two of his own men, Pete and Frank Gusenberg, to kill one of Capone's right-hand men, Jack Machine Gun McGurn. While he was wounded, Machine Gun Jack survived the multiple attempts on his life. Damn. In another attempt to stir up trouble, Bugs Moran formed a silent partnership with Northsider and Capone rival, Joe Aiello, who apparently tried to assassinate Capone a couple of times. In early 1929, Bugs Moran was offered a shipment of Canadian old log cabin whiskey. Oh. That, yeah, I know, right? Hey. Damn. That had supposedly been hijacked from Capone. He accepted the deal, and it went so smoothly that when the same people offered him another shipment at a great price, he agreed to it without hesitation. The liquor delivery was scheduled for 10.30 on the morning of Valentine's Day 1929 mm-hmm. at the SMC Cartage Garage, which Moran used as a depot for his bootleg operation. Moran was supposed to be there to oversee the shipment personally. The morning of February 14th, 1929, was cold, gray, and dreary. Mm. Seven men met up at the garage around 10 for the delivery. Six of the men were part of Moran's gang, and the final man was actually an optometrist, Dr. Reinhardt Schwimmer, who liked to hang out with the gangsters and was like basically just like a gangster groupie. Five of the seven were Northside mobsters. There were the Gusenberg brothers, Pete and Frank, who were enforcers, Adam Hare was the bookkeeper and business manager. James Clark was Moran's second-in-command. And Albert Weinshark ran some operations for Moran. It's so funny to me that these crime organizations have, like, an accountant. I know, right? It's like there's, like, an operations manager. Yeah, it's like, like, um, are you going to deduct that <laughs> spell? I was like, spoiler, no. Because we're going to get caught on some tax evasion. Yes, all of this is illegal. Yes. <laughs> It does blow my mind, though. Like, it's, again, organized crime, quote-unquote. Like, that's the organization of it. Yeah, it's it's hilarious I'm the bookkeeper. No big deal. And while not a mobster per se, John May was a young car mechanic affiliated with Northside Gang. May's German Shepherd, Highball, was also at the garage on the day of delivery, chained to the bumper of a truck. The seven men were still waiting for Bugs Moran to show up when, around the scheduled delivery time, 10.30 a.m., Two cars, described by multiple witnesses as detective-style cars, Mm. pulled up to the garage, and while eyewitness accounts differ, at least four, possibly five men exited the vehicles. Two of the men were dressed like police officers, and the others were wearing plain clothes, but described as something that a detective might wear. Mm. So my resources of this basically said like trench coats one of them's wearing like a fedora i guess i don't really know why that's like detective yeah basically like i guess that's detective clothes back in fucking 1929 okay but they're not wearing uniforms they just look detective-y yeah like everyone is like that's a fucking cop yes exactly isn't the whole point of plain clothes that no one knows knows but no i'm gonna wear a trench coat because obviously and a fedora yes because it's you can't see but heart eye roll right now yes (laughs) audible eye roll The men tried the front door, but realizing it was locked, three of the men got back into one of the cars and drove around back, parking in the lot across the alley. When the three men saw a truck entering the back doors, they seized their opportunity and slipped into the garage behind the truck. The Northside men, believing it was just a routine police raid, immediately complied with whatever the men wanted. The men dressed as police officers rounded up the victims, lining them up against the wall and disarming them. Third man most likely went to unlock the front door for the two men waiting out front. The men then proceeded to open fire on the seven lined-up men with machine guns, 
firing over 70 shots, and even threw in a few rounds with a shotgun. Once the execution was finished, one of the men left from the back and drove off in the car parked in the back while the other four walked out the front door. Acting as though an arrest was taking place, the uniformed quote-unquote officers escorted the other two who walked to the second car with their hands on their heads. Mm. Which, like, ugh, as much as I don't like this, like, it's such a fucking brilliant ploy. Yeah. Mm. While witnesses heard gunshots, they didn't realize that's what the noise was. Because the execution took place in a mechanic's garage, they chalked the noise up to machinery in the shop, pneumatic drills, shit like that. And that's one of those things that if you've ever been in a situation where you've heard gunfire, it doesn't sound like you think it would. I have always been like, car backfiring, fireworks, Fireworks. whatever. Like a pop gun or whatever. Yes. It doesn't sound like the movies. It it just doesn't sound like that. I fucking always chalk it up to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember years ago when when that terrorist attack at at the, um, was it Angels of Death Metal? Is that what they were called? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, these people came in and just started shooting up the place. Initially, like, the audience didn't realize that's what was happening because it didn't sound like what they thought that would sound like. And it wasn't until they started seeing people, like, on the fucking ground and like, oh, fuck. Something's happening. Yeah. Like, I should be aware of this. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. But yes, you're right. That does fucking happen a lot. And it's one of those things, like, you don't want to assume it's gunfire. You want to assume it's a car backfiring. You want to assume it's something else. Especially if you live in, in a city where there's just noise all of the time. As yes. <laughs> As we're this very podcast. aware of, yes. <laughs> Stopping and starting because of all of the noise. Like, there's always noise. So you're like, oh, that's whatever. Yes. You're not like, no, people are being murdered right now. Yes. That's why I, if I have lived in a haunted place in New York, I would never fucking know because I'm always like, eh, it's the neighbors. Like, right. whatever that noise is, whatever that strange footstep in my hallway, it's just upstairs, it's downstairs, whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they hear all the shooting, they're just like, meh, whatever, it's the mechanic shop, no big deal. It's not until they hear the howling of the mechanic's German Shepherd oh highball that they finally are alerted. Something's wrong. Yes, that something is wrong. Highball was trapped under a beer truck, no. covered in blood and shell casings, still chained to the truck. And I don't know if this is true, but one of my sources said that Highball was Put down not long after the event due to the trauma caused by the shooting, which, what the fuck? I don't think that's a valid fucking no. response to a dog being traumatized. I'm yeah. not even a dog person, and this is very It's upsetting. very fucked up. You don't need to old yell at a dog because it's hot. Like, what is this dog doing that is so terrible that it can't fucking just go live on a farm somewhere nicely? Like, like I don't a understand. real farm. Yes. Not a murder farm. Not, no, not like the euphemism for it dying. Right. Uh, I know. That's, no, that's not okay. Like, like he wasn't traumatized enough with right? anything he saw. We're just going to put him out of his misery? Like, no. <sighs> that is not okay. That's so I okay. really hope that's not true, and I really hope that the source was inaccurate, because that's really dark. That's really no, horrifying. That's not okay. You got cat murder in your story, dog murder in my story, like, <sighs> oh, so much. Shortly after, Chicago police were called to the scene of the crime, and Sergeant Loftus was the first to arrive. He found the bodies of the seven men lying on the floor near a wall, their flesh and clothing ripped to shreds by the gunfire. As he looked at the carnage, one of the bodies moved, and he heard a sound. Loftus realized that one of them was still alive and recognized Frank Gusenberg as a member of Morin's Northside gang. The sergeant asked him what happened, and again, sources differ on this point. Some say he said, nobody shot me. 
while others say he said cops did it. <gasps> while Frank survived the initial attack, he died in the hospital a few mm-hmm. hours later from his wounds. The intended target of the violence, Bugs Moran, was unintentionally spared, and there are several theories as to why. It's possible that the lookouts, who were supposed to call the killers once Moran arrived, mistook one of the other men for Moran, most likely Wai Shank, because he did bear a striking resemblance to Moran. Mm. Moran himself told authorities years later that he had just been getting a haircut and his appointment <sighs> ran late. Holy shit. Which, lucky for you, dude, for real. You know, that's that thing that I no longer freak out about being late to things or missing things. This is the universe's yeah, intention. It's like, if I am not supposed to be there, I, if I'm not supposed to get on that plane, I'm not going to get on that plane. I'm going to second that because I actually needed you to be like five hours late today. <laughs> and you were. You're welcome. So I don't know how you knew that, but thank you. I'm so glad you, because I was so mortified. <laughs> no, it was one of those like, like, I didn't want to admit that I needed so much more time, but like, girl, you fucking knew and you, the universe delivered. Yeah. His haircut runs late. When he got to the SMC garage and saw police marching men out of the garage at gunpoint, he just he, noped on he out He obviously there. got the fuck out of there. He's like, I'm not sticking around for this. Goodbye. He said that what unnerved him, though, was not that there was a raid, but that he didn't recognize any of the men being quote-unquote arrested. Oh. A few days after the Valentine's Day massacre, he told reporters, quote, only Capone kills like that. When asked for comment on the murders, Capone said, quote, the only man who kills like that is Bugs Moran, which was like, just fuck you, basically. Yeah. And he's like, whatever, I have syphilis, I'm crazy. He goes, <laughs> don't fuck with me. Don't fuck with me. For real, he has syphilis. syphilis. Yeah, no joke. And that will make you lose your goddamn mind in yeah. case you don't know. And make your nose fall off. Yes. And His apparently but... you lose your... Yeah, your pubic hair. Pubic hair, which is why Merkins were invented... Which I learned from Monique Sanchez. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, the reason Merkins exists is because uh, sex workers back in the day, when they'd get a john, the guy would be like, flash your cooch, so make sure that you're... Because this was this was the time before the Brazilian. <laughs> so full, full bush, bush was the situation. Was ideal. So it'd be like, flash your cooch, so I can make sure that you're not diseased before I stick it in you. And if they were like bald or balding, they'd be like, no, you super have syphilis. So sex workers who had syphilis would make merkins, which are pubic wigs. It's like slap that bad boy on there. Slap it on there so that they could continue business as usual. While giving syphilis to many others to enjoy. (laughs) Yay. Yay. The joys of STDs, kids. The more you know. (laughs) I don't think we get enough credit for being as informative as we are. I mean, I don't... No, if people appreciate, I know people in my life definitely don't. They're like, why do you know about this? You were like the only person who enjoyed that information ever in my life. They're like, why are you saying this at a dinner party? I. Why do you know this? Live for these moments. Fun fact, Monique told me about, I knew of Merkins, but I didn't know the reason that they were invented. I just knew what a Merkin was. And I swear this, I can't make this up. A week after she told me, Johnny happened to ask me what a Merkin was, and I told him, and then he was like, why the fuck would you even need that? And I tell you. literally, my mind, like, rejoiced, and I was like, thank God for Monique, and I turned with, like, <laughs> the utmost certainty to him, and I was like, syphilis, that's why they exist. And you can thank 
Monique Goddamn Sanchez Goddamn for that right. because that is the reason I know that. I love you. I'm obsessed with you. Love you. I'm obsessed with you. And now I know I'm Americans were invented. <laughs> and so do you. And so do you. You're welcome. Feel free to just sprinkle that into conversation later. <laughs> it won't be appreciated. <laughs> I mean, just spoiler. And if it is, take that person into your life and never let them go. That's right. So because the killers used detective cars and police uniforms, investigators had to rule out the possibility that actual police officers carried out the murders, and the Cook County State's Attorney's Office proceeded with its own investigation. While most people assumed that Capone had committed the crime, he was sunbathing at his house in Miami at the time and had an airtight alibi. Yeah. But of course, it could have been one of his men on his orders. So the consensus became that Machine Gun Jack McGurn had organized the whole thing and may have even been one of the shooters. Mm. Apparently on that day, he was spotted at nearby Lincoln Park and right outside the SMC garage. But when asked about his whereabouts, he claimed that since it was Valentine's Day, he was in bed all morning with his girlfriend, an attractive blonde golfer named Louise Rolf. The papers called her the Blonde Alibi, and because of it, McGurn was never brought to trial. Mm. A week after the Valentine's Day massacre, firemen were called to a small garage when neighbors saw smoke and flames. The door was barricaded from the inside, and in the garage were the charred remnants of a Cadillac, which fit the description of the detective squad car seen at the scene of the crime. It had been hacked apart and torched. Once the smoke cleared, detectives found a police siren that had been removed from the car. It became clear that this was one of the cars used for the murders. Police traced the engine number to a Michigan Avenue dealer who had sold the car to a James Morton of Los Angeles. The garage itself had been rented by a man calling himself Frank Rogers, who gave his address as the Circus Cafe, which was the hangout of the circus gang unofficially led by Claude Maddox, a former St. Louis gangster with ties to the Capone organization. Like, why would you do that? Right? Like, give any other address. I mean, uh, assuming that he's not framing... Oh! Shit. Because then you give, like, oh, it was Just give, like, literally any address. You know, change the number by one, one fucking two, number. Three Mockingbird Lane. Like, yes. Whatever the fuck. In case you want to commit a crime. <laughs> we're not teaching you how to commit a crime. We're not teaching you how to commit a crime. Police could not turn up any information about anyone named James Morton or Frank Rogers, mm. but had a starting point to look for suspects. From their interviews at the Circus Cafe, they made a list of 17 men they wanted to question. They also raided Maddox's office and found evidence that he may have brought in killers from St. Louis. Mm. What they discovered was enough to spur investigators to travel to St. Louis to meet with the chief of police there. When he heard the killers wore police uniforms, the chief suggested two likely suspects, Fred, quote-unquote, Killer Burke, and James Ray, which was assumed to be a pseudonym. Burke was a former member of the notorious gang Egan's Rats and was wanted for a long series of robberies and murders all over the Midwest. And he had been a fugitive since about 1925. From his criminal identification file, quote, This man is dangerous and will shoot to kill, and every precaution should be made in making his arrest. End quote. Holy fuck. And if you look at the fucking criminal identification file, it's literally like bold and underlined. Like yeah. it's fucking, there are no jokes. fucking around Fucking, here. yes, this guy's serious. Holy shit. Also mentioned in the file is that one of Burke's most distinguishing features is that he's missing his two front teeth. (gasps) It was this minor detail that gave them a definite lead on one of the killers. Because just minutes before the killings, a truck driver named Elmer Lewis had turned a corner a block away from the SMC garage and sideswiped a police car. He told police that he stopped immediately, but was waved away by the uniformed driver who was missing 
you guessed it, his two Two front front teeth. teeth. Fuck yes, Elmer. The Board of Education President, H. Wallace Caldwell, had witnessed the accident, and he gave the same description of the driver. Police were confident that they were describing Fred Burke. Within a few weeks, Burke was named by Chicago police as the principal suspect since witnesses had placed Burke near the scene in a detective-type vehicle and wearing a policeman's uniform. Police then announced that they also suspected Capone gunman John Scalasi, Albert Anslemi, as well as Jack McGurn and Frank Rio, a Capone bodyguard. Police eventually charged McGurn and Scalisi with the massacre, but John Scalisi was murdered along with Anselmi and Joseph Hoftoad Ganuda in May 1929, after Capone learned about their plan to kill him. Which again goes into the whole paranoia, you can't trust anybody close mm. to anything. The police ended up dropping the murder charges against Jack McGurn because of a lack of evidence, and he was only charged with the violation of the Mann Act because apparently he took his girlfriend, Louise Rolfe, across state lines to marry her. Which, the Mann Act is like, you're not supposed to take women across state lines for like prostitution or immoral sex purposes, so I don't really get why marriage was immoral. Yeah. I don't really understand that. The case stagnated until December 14, 1929, when the Berrien County, Michigan Sheriff's Department raided the house of, quote-unquote, Frederick Dane, the registered owner of a vehicle driven by Fred Killer Burke. Burke had been drinking that night and rear-ended another vehicle before driving off. Patrolman Charles Skelly pursued, finally forcing him off the road. Skelly hopped onto the running board of Burke's car, but was shot three times by Burke and died of his wounds that night. The car was found wrecked and abandoned and was traced to Fred Dane. Police photos confirmed that Dane was, in fact, Fred Burke, who was wanted by the Chicago police for his participation in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Police raided Dane slash Burke's house and found a large trunk containing a bulletproof vest, almost $320,000 in bonds, recently stolen from Wisconsin Bank, two Tommy machine guns, pistols, two shotguns, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. St. Joseph authorities immediately notified the Chicago police, who requested both machine guns. They used the new science of forensic ballistics to identify both weapons as those used in the massacre. Fuck. Yeah. I know, right? Ballistics is, like, just coming out. Yeah. It's, like, crazy that this is a It's thing. crazy that any crimes were solved in this time period. Right? And also, it's crazy how you could just be like, my name is <gasps> Sally Q. I fucking... And you could just do that. It's secretly my dream to live in this time where you could just, like, pick up, move somewhere, make a new name. You don't need any fucking... You could fake paperwork. In a second. In a second. In a second. And you could just fucking kill somebody and bury them back in your yard and just, like... Get away with it. Whatever. There's so many stories of, like, ask your grandma, like, some, you know, some shit. Yes. And then send us that story. Send us that fucking story. Another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com, period, (laughs) instead of a you. And fucking... Because, you know, they'll be like, yeah, he used to beat the fuck out of me. And then when he started beating my kid, I just fucking, like, threw him some rat poison and whatever. Oh, I love that shit. Yes. And you just, like, no problem. No just, problem. You know, there's no DNA evidence. There's no, no fucking cameras. Like, oh. Like so the end of the Shawshank Redemption. Shit. Just, yes. He just walked into the bank. Like, he, <sighs> that's fine. I'm a new person. Whatever. Spoiler, if you haven't seen Shawshank. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. What are you doing? That's, there's lots of cry moments in that. Oh, yeah. Brooks was even, here. Even um, I cried in that. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. You're a monster. I'm not a monster. Yeah. Exactly. If you don't cry in Shawshank, you're a monster. Yes. Using forensic ballistics to identify both weapons, they also discovered that one of them had also been used to murder New York mobster Frankie Yale a year and a half earlier. 
Unfortunately, no further concrete evidence surfaced in the massacre case. Years later, in 1935, Byron Bolton, a captured member of the Barker gang, gave a detailed statement to the FBI implicating Burke, his associates, and other Capone gang members as being responsible. Bolton was a Navy machine gunner and associate of Egan's Rats, and he had been the valet of Chicago hitman Fred Getz. Bolton was privy to many of the biker gang's crimes and claimed to have taken part in the St. Valentine's Massacre with Getz, Fred Burke, and several others. Mm. The FBI had no jurisdiction in a state murder case, so they kept Bolton's revelations confidential until the Chicago American newspaper reported a secondhand version of his confession. The newspaper declared that the crime had been quote-unquote solved, despite being stonewalled by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI, who did not want any part of the massacre case. Oh, shit. Right? When the FBI is just like, nah, we're good. You're on your own, boo. Bolton claimed that he and Jimmy Moran were charged with watching the SMC Cartage garage and phoning to signal the killers when Bugs Moran arrived. Police had found a letter addressed to Bolton in the lookout nest. Bolton guessed that the actual killers had been Burke, Winkler, Getz, Bob Carey, Raymond Nugent, and Claude Maddox but gave an account of the massacre different from the one generally told by historians. He claimed that he only saw, quote-unquote, plainclothes men exit the Cadillac and go into the garage, but multiple eyewitnesses claimed to have seen at least two uniformed men exiting the car. His claims were supposedly corroborated by Gus Winkler's widow, Georgette, in an official FBI statement. She said that her husband and her friends had formed a special crew used by Capone for high-risk jobs. Capone was said to have trusted them implicitly and nicknamed them the American Boys. But, despite Byron Bolton's statements, no action was taken by the FBI. All the men whom he had named were dead by 1935, with the exception of Burke and Maddox. Bank robber Harvey Bailey complained in his 1973 autobiography that he and Fred Burke had been drinking beer in Calumet City, Illinois at the time of the massacre, and the resulting heat forced them to abandon their bank robbing ventures. Historians, oh, move for you. Yeah, right? Yeah. I can't continue I can't to be a criminal and rob people of their money. Watch <laughs> 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 <Fuck> yourself. <laughs> Again, though, like, you could just rob a bank. Like, yeah. you could put a mask on. Like, nobody fucking knows. Yeah, like, and ugh. you have, like, John Dillinger, who was seen as, like, a Robin Hood. Yes. It's wild. It's, dude, the 20s uh, are fucking wild. Uh, and P.S.? Bonnie and Clyde were pieces of shit, and don't get wrapped into the romanticism of them. They were complete pieces of shit. Of course! They fucking murdered people. Of course! But it's a wild time, They did it together, Monique. They like, did it together. The couple that kills together stays together. Till death. Legit, yeah. Legit. They died. So. Spoiler. By the way. Um, it's a wild fucking time, man. Right? Yeah. It's one of those where, like, I don't know if I would love living in this time because there's no rules, or I would hate it because there's no fucking rules and you could just be, like, killed or raped at any point. It's no oh, for sure. That's one of those that, you know, if, like, time travel was a thing, I'd like to stop by for, like, a day. <laughs> Take a peek. Take you know. a peek. But I'm you know, the butterfly effect would happen and everything would be different. Of course. Future, but I would love to be like, what's this like? Yes. I would t- fucking take you up on that immediately. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So many, so many time periods. I would love to be a flapper. Oh, fuck Let's yeah. do this. Stay away from jazz and liquor. That's to say in Chicago. No. I want, to, I want jazz. I want the devil's cigarettes. I want all of the fun things. Uh-huh. Reefer Madness. Uh, historians are still divided on whether or not the quote-unquote American boys committed the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm. However, more than eight decades after the crime, there emerged a new theory of who had committed the heinous crime. Oh, shit. 
which like I really only knew about this from high school cursory yeah. fucking information. Yes, this is a thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. So I was always under the impression that it was just like Capone's men under Capone's orders and yeah. there were no other fucking, like I didn't really even know about Burke or anything. Yeah. So this was sort of a revelation. But apparently, published in 2010, the book Get Capone by Jonathan Eig claims an entirely different mobster, one not connected to either the North or Southside gangs, had organized the execution. He theorized that it was actually a man named William White, a.k.a. Three-Fingered Jack. According to Ig, one of Moran's men had killed White's cousin, William Davern Jr., in a bar fight, and the Valentine's Day Massacre was supposed to be White's revenge for that murder. That's disproportionate response. It is very disproportionate. You are correct, Monique. Yeah, thank a you. A beacon of morality. Thank you. <laughs> the Catholic who considered... <laughs> murdering someone with a can. But you didn't. I didn't. And I was like, yeah, I'd fucking do it immediately. Like, where's the goddamn candle? So, clearly, you're the beacon of morality amongst the two of us. That's really alarming. <laughs> it, should, it should not be. Uh, so, why is this a convincing theory? Well, William Davern Jr.'s father was a Chicago police sergeant, so White could have easily obtained the props needed to disguise the crime as a routine police raid. He would have had no trouble getting the uniforms, the car, and other paraphernalia for the deception. Ig also points out the sheer violence of the crime. It seemed passionate and less businesslike. Police also talked to eyewitnesses who claimed that a person who was driving up the black Cadillac was missing a finger. Just like Three-Fingered Jack. Ig's evidence comes from a 1935 letter to John Edgar Hoover, the head of the FBI, and was from Frank T. Farrell, who, from what I can gather, was an amateur investigator, who was said to have been doing some undercover investigation at the time of an unspecified nature mm. at the time of the massacre. According to Farrell, White perpetrated the massacre as revenge against Frank Gusenberg and Peter Gusenberg for the murder of his cousin, William Davern Jr., the previous year. Some historians have already That's found... a fucking long time for yeah. a year. Yeah. I mean... To plan that. I mean, that's the smart way to do it. Yeah. I will pop off like 20 minutes later. Like, like heat of the moment. Yeah. yeah. Fucking go shoot this guy. A that's year. how you get caught. That's how you get caught. Yes. Absolutely. Which is why I would not make a good criminal. <laughs> I couldn't be in the FBI as we established last <laughs> week. So not diplomatic. I don't have a lot of life skills going for me. I disagree, Monique. I think you have the best life skills going for you. Thank you. Some historians have already found holes in his theory, though, since Three-Fingered Jack was supposed to be in jail during this time. Ah. But I explained this away by saying White bribed his way out of jail to commit this crime and then got back in and was released later that year. And the craziest part is in this time, you totally could do that. That's you what totally I was thinking. Could. And the other thing it made me think of is the fucking Unsolved Mysteries episode, Lester Eubanks, where they literally let him out on like to a go Christmas, Christmas shopping? shopping trip. And then he just fucking walked away. That was 1973 for the record. Yep. So if you think that's it's so far-fetched that this guy could have bribed somebody to fucking get out of jail, is it really? And I don't think so. That wouldn't be a first-time bribe. No. That's fuck the no. like he's on a payroll. Especially if it's like, I'm just gonna go and come back. Like, I'll be back tomorrow, dude. Like, we're cool. Cool. That's no big fine. deal. You're doing your rounds, just like check me off as, you know, in your thing. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. And then you have X amount of dollars to your name and I'll be back tomorrow. 
Again, I all mean, theory, it's all so speculation. Possible this time, though. It is, as we said, it's fucking like everything's so lax and like you it's can no just, man's land. Yes, you fucking, can do, do shit, get away with shit. Yeah, there are no rules in 1929. Nope, except for the fact that you apparently can't purchase or sell <laughs> alcohol. That's Le- it. You can't do it legally. That's it. That's the only rule. <laughs> Another issue with Ike's theory is the gun, because apparently the gun involved in White's cousin's shooting, which would have supposedly set this whole thing off, was determined by a ballistics report to have actually belonged to the McGurn gang, not Moran's, which would seem to discredit the revenge motive. However, as Ike points out, even if the gun was proved to be McGurn's, White probably didn't know that because he didn't have the ballistics report, right. and would have carried out the revenge believing that Moran had killed his cousin. Mm. It's also very possible that this other theory wasn't really explored at the time of the massacre, because investigators obviously really wanted to get Capone. After seeing the extremely graphic photos published in the newspaper, citizens at the time were shocked by the violence of the massacre, mm. and while gang slangs weren't anything new... The Valentine's Day Massacre made it seem like things were getting out of control and hardened public opinion against Capone. It should also be noted that Hoover took office just a month before the crime took place and definitely wanted to make an example of Capone, who had been dubbed public enemy number one. Yeah. But thanks to his solid alibi, he was never charged with anything relating to the massacre. Instead, as you know, he was famously caught on tax evasion charges and died of syphilis, as we mentioned, in 1947. Yeah. Morin's career also went downhill after the massacre. He was reduced to committing smaller bank robberies, spent time in and out of prison, and eventually died in prison in 1957 of lung cancer. Oof. Machine Gun Jack's clubs closed during the Depression, and the former gangster ended up a small-time drug dealer. He was eventually gunned down by three men in a bowling alley on February 15, 1936, one day after the seventh anniversary of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. His body was left with a comic valentine in his hand, which read, quote, You've lost your job, you've lost your dough, your jewels, and handsome houses. But things could be worse, you know. You haven't lost your trousers. End quote. <sighs> a poet. Right? Which, when you first read it, you're like, oh, I'm going to read this as a poem because it's it rhymes. And then you're like, wait, this doesn't fucking rhyme. So. I mean, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. But not. I mean... It was thought out. <laughs> they tried. Yes. It's pretty fucked up, though. Like, yeah. I don't want to die in a bowling alley, for, first and foremost. Like, that's the no. least... Yeah, no. I know that's, like, one of the few forms of entertainment back in the day, but, like, I'm good. Yeah. The bootleg wars ended with the repeal of Prohibition in 1933, but the mob stuck around, and labor and business racketeering replaced bootlegging as their primary means of income. The new era of mob leaders also saw how the cooperation among them that Torrio had advocated got them bigger profits, which has led to the organized crime syndicate that we still see today. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, as it was known, was one of the most brutal mob killings in history and still remains an unsolved crime. While never officially linked to Capone, he is still generally considered to have been responsible for the murders. And that is the story of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was awesome. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Hey. Hey. You know. That was amazing. Thank you. I mean, it's one of those things, like, you should know. I, I assume most people know the, the general gist yeah. of it. 
Um, but I didn't know anything about the new theory because I feel like the last time I fucking yeah. heard about this was high school. So fucking 10 plus years ago. So a couple of years ago, I had to go to Vegas for work. And while everyone is gambling their lives away, turns out there's a mob museum in Vegas. Fuck yes. And it's fucking incredible. I would if, love that. If you're ever in Vegas and this is your jam, which if you're listening to us, I'm guessing it is, check out the mob museum. <gasps> But here's the thing. It's very dense and you need a lot of time in there. Okay. And I had like an hour and a half oh, and then no. I had to like get on the plane to go back to New York. So like power through the fucking yeah. museum. And I could be wrong, but I'm almost certain that they have the wall from the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Uh, with, I think you're right. With the, the brick, the, like the, the, brick, the brick wall with, with the bullet holes yes. in it. That does exist. I didn't know it was there, but that has been yes. on display in multiple places. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the St. Valentine's Day mm-hmm. You're totally right. And the thing that was so bizarre to me was people taking pictures in front of it. Like, um, people were murdered. <laughs> hey, peace sign. Like, Hi. cute. Can I get a selfie? Thanks. Yeah. Like, years ago, there was a, a Titanic artifacts exhibition in Times Square that was amazing and haunted as fuck, by the way. Really? Yep. Interesting. Super haunted. I felt lots of things and then I, my ex knew someone who worked there and she was like, oh yeah, it's like super fucking haunted. <laughs> because this is people's stuff. Yeah. But so in the exhibition, they recreated many of the rooms in the Titanic. Yes. And people were just like taking pictures and it's like, this is so not okay. This isn't like, you know, I'm going on a carnival cruise line. Like people die, even though like, no, yeah, it was in, and, and that exhibition was in very poor taste because when you got your ticket, they gave you a passenger ticket. And the person who gave it to you was like, so you have the information of an actual passenger. And at the end, you can look up if you survived or not. Uh I'm going to guess you probably died. Yeah. Like I was a woman. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm sad. And my ex was like a third class male. Like, well, you were fucked. You're dead. Yeah. But it was so in bad taste. I don't care for that. Yeah. And they also had photo opportunity. Like it wasn't just people. They had like, at the grand staircase, they have like a, they had a photographer and I'm like, this is like really not okay. I don't don't care for that. It, It was, it was in very bad taste. I definitely remember going to, in Tampa, they have MOSI, which is the Museum of Science and Industry. There was a Titanic exhibit at that. Same kind of thing. Like, they had the rooms done, whatever. I think maybe they did have a photographer at the Grand Staircase to it, do the it was same a traveling, sort of thing. Um, it was a traveling exhibit. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe it was that. They had a, a, a photo opportunity when you got there in front of a green screen. So you didn't even know what the fuck you were taking a picture of. Oh, about. weird. No, I don't And then there was a photographer in front of the grand staircase. And I'm like, this is not okay. Not cool at all. None of this. And it was a thing that I felt viscerally sick throughout the entire exhibition because like, this is people's stuff. Yes. Who died horrifically. Yes. And then it's been essentially grave robbed to be here. Yes. There's juju and it ain't great. No, I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and it's always odd when you're, especially, I mean, my ex and I had been together for a while at that point. And I was just like, I like, I'm freaking out. Like, I'm just, I'm viscerally having a lot of feelings being like around all of these things. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is going to sound very silly, but 
I, the only thing I really remember from that exhibit is they literally like had a huge chunk piece. of ice. That too, but they had a huge piece of the Titanic. At the one I went the one to. Went to yeah. Yes. I don't know if that was the case for yours. They literally had like a huge piece of like the fucking hull or whatever it was. The it Titanic. was like 10 years ago-ish. Okay. I went in high school, so it was probably like, it was before 2007, which is when I graduated, so it's been Ah, many, many a year, but (laughs) this is really, this sounds so stupid, but this is really like all I can remember from that trip is I was standing and I was looking at this big chunk of the Titanic, and I remember saying, because I thought with the utmost certainty that my dad who came with me was standing right next to me. Oh. And I said, like, wow, I can't believe that's, like, really a piece of the Titanic. And then a strange man who I'd never met before or spoken to went, yeah, right next to me. And I remember turning in shock and giving him the, like, what the fuck, who are you look? And then just immediately beelining away from him to go find my actual father because apparently that's not who I was standing next to. And I thought the whole time that's who I was standing next to. So I don't remember really anything from that exhibit except... That, and yes, they did have a giant, like, quote-unquote iceberg. Yeah, they had a piece of ice that you could touch, and it was like, this is how cold the water was when they went in. It was fucking cold, for the record. It was, yeah, spoiler. It was fucking (laughs) Spoiler, yeah, it's ice. It's cold. There were were things about it that were in very poor taste, and I have difficulty about the whole grave-robbing aspect of museums. Yeah. Because that's what it is, but then you don't know the things if they aren't great. So it's a very double-edged sword. But I've never felt as viscerally uncomfortable and sick as I did throughout. Like, there would be rooms that I wouldn't want to go into. Interesting. Like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I don't want to go there. And then I found out after the fact that the rooms that I'd be like, I don't want to Super haunted? They'd be like, oh, yeah, like, the music that are in other parts of the exhibition turn on in those rooms where, like, by itself <gasps> when it shouldn't. Nope. nope, nope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah crazy yeah that's really interesting so people were doing this uh with the saint valentine's day massacre wall as well in the mod like hey just like posing next to it yeah for the gram yeah but the mod museum is incredible that sounds awesome i would love to fucking see that yeah and they also have at least when i went had a separate a csi experience that you would buy a separate ticket to oh shit so it would be a thing where Literally, it would you would do like fingerprint analysis, and you would look at a digital corpse and be like, "What?" And then like do like an autopsy and be like, "What is?" It was fuck. I love all of that. It was so good. Oh, that's so cool. It's so rad. And then you learn the different things that they look for in fingerprint analysis. Yeah, like, like the whorls. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, the mob museum's incredible. Ah, it's incredible. We'll go. I would love that. Let's do a trip to Vegas. Oh, fuck yes. Go to the mob museum. And they even have a, a little speakeasy there. Oh, shit. That you can get cocktails. And I couldn't do that because I had to get on a plane back to New York. Fuck yes. Fuck yeah. Well, let's go to the mob museum and get cocktails. Um, notarize it because it's official. Yes. Fuck yeah. I know. I know. I feel like mob's one of those, like, areas in true crime where either, like, you love it or you hate it. Yeah. Like, either you don't want to hear anything about it, you don't give a fuck, or, like, you're like, yes, give me all of the mob details, and I'm not gonna lie, definitely the give me all of the mob details kind of girl. You know, I think it's one of those things for me that I don't think I am. Like, it's not a thing that occurs to me, and then someone brings it up, and I was like, I want to know all the the goss. Yes. I want the goss. I want... Because it's so... Same. It's so personal to them. 
is. It's not. It's not just business. It's. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. It's that person's a made man and you fucking killed a made man and you can't do that and you dishonored the family and we have to go after you because you did this to this person. It's so personal. Yes. And there's that sense of morality that goes with everything. Like whether it's crooked or not, like But they have a sense of it. Yes. It's not just, it's not a Richard Ramirez that was like, whatever, fucking who gives a shit. I don't care if you're a A man, woman, kid, old person, whatever. Like there is... A code. Yes. And as perverted and odd, and they break it all of the fucking time, too. They, like, believe in it. And they believe that their crew isn't going to fuck them over when it happens all, all of the, the fucking time. time. Yes. So yes. It, the whole dynamic is very fascinating to me. I agree. Yeah. And it's always very much intrigued me, despite, like... Like, I don't want to glorify violence. I don't want anything. But it's just, ugh, I can't help it. I have, like, a sick fascination with it and just, like, I'm owning it. Whatever. I mean, our whole podcast is a sick fascination. fascination. (laughs) Facts. So, Valentine's Day Massacre. I decided to do that. My other option, because it also takes place on Valentine's Day, was the Parkland shooting. And I just was like... That's that's still too close. Thank you. I I agree. Being, like, very recent in my eyes and also occurring in Florida, like, I was like, I'm good. I will take a little Al Capone mobster scene over over that. It was either that or, like, people killing their spouses and murdering. Again. Again, like, it's Valentine's Day. I don't want to really go there. Yeah. Plus, I love a good mob story. I can't, dude. I can't say no. Have you seen the movie Johnny Dangerously? No. (gasps) What? It's so good. So good. Fuck, I'll have to check that out. I mean, it's this it, entire Johnny in it, so I'll have to fucking... This entire... When you were telling me this mob story in the 20s, I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go home and watch Johnny Dangerously. Yes! So it's a comedy. Oh, fuck yes. Sold. And it's Michael Keaton. We're obsessed with, <gasps> obviously. Of course. He's Johnny Dangerously. Oh my and he's god. a mob guy. They even have a scene with the Pope. Like, he's paying off everyone. <gasps> everyone knows that he's, he's a mobster, except his mother, Ma Kelly... Because his name is Johnny Kelly, but then he oh goes by Johnny Dangerously. Everyone knows that he's a monster except his mother and his brother. And his brother, he's putting, he's like paying for him to go through law school or like go to college and he, he becomes the DA. So he decides to go legit. But then of course it doesn't really, it's so funny. And I believe her name is Marlu Henner. Okay. She was in Taxi. She was amazing. And she plays the, um, the like sexy show girl that like Johnny falls for, right? And there's this scene where after they meet that they are just walking, you know, walking and talking, you know, getting yeah. to know each other, whatever. And she's telling her life story and she's like, you know, and that's why, that's why I decided to move to Chicago. And, <laughs> and Michael Keaton goes, Chicago, we're in New York. And she goes, I'm kidding. <gasps> Chicago, New York, it's all the same to a girl like me. It's so funny. Uh, and Peter Boyle is, uh, is in it. He, no, I love him. So okay, good. he's fantastic. Joe Piscopone plays like the bad guy. And he has this whole thing about like, you shouldn't hit me, Johnny. My grandmother hit me once. Once. But it <gasps> escalates to like ridiculous things. Yes. You should put me on a hook, Johnny. Like it's You're so, selling me with all of this it's right so now. Like, I'm obsessed. Let's do this. It's so good. <laughs> yes. Your story was just gave me all the like 20s games. Yes. I, I mean. Like, I need to watch Johnny Dangerously. Fuck yes. It's all good. 
It's such a thank you. I mean, it's one of those like it's an oldie but a goodie, and yeah, yeah. I just gotta love the Roaring Twenties, man. I just like love the whole. So much shit was happening. So much shit was happening. And just like you could get away with so fucking much. Like the fact that like forensic ballistics was like just emerging as a technology, yeah. like as an analysis they could do to help solve crimes. Yeah. Like, oh it, my god. Yeah, John Mulaney does a whole thing about being a detective in the twenties. Oh my god. It's I adore so him. Funny. I mentioned him last episode. He's fucking funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a whole thing that that they'll be like, what the fuck was like everyone got away with crime because like there was no clearing off like quartering off a fucking crime scene you know he does the whole thing being like of someone going up to the detective being like oh there's there's this whole pool there's a pool of blood he's like and the detective's like gross clean it up (laughs) (laughs) accurate accurate like that's very better like accurate yes yeah oh my god he's fucking brilliant he is brilliant Submit to our contest. Yes. It's going on win two more weeks. Win free shit. Who doesn't like free shit? Who doesn't like free shit? Who doesn't like a free bag from fucking Amy? Yeah. That's amazing. Fuck yeah. Who doesn't like a free fucking palm reading session? Which, like I said before, I've had multiple readings with her and she is cuckoo bananas out of control. Like you will not understand how she knows about your life. Gonna blow your mind. Yeah. Yes. Brace yourself. It's gonna be intense. But... Be warned, if you win, you need to tell us everything that happened. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to interrogate you about that because we need to know. Yeah, we need to know everything. Thank you so much for listening and for being amazing listeners. Thank you for dealing with our Mercury Retrograde Ayo. Blizzard uh, <laughs> <laughs> nonsense. I don't know. episode last week. You guys are just amazing, and we're so grateful to have you guys as listeners. This is really rad and really surreal. Fuck yes. And you can follow us on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at pin up Romo. You can find me at lobotomy. And that's lobot period 80. And we want your stories, your personal stories, any creepy true crime, paranormal story. We want them. We definitely want the alien story. Amy needs it I for need her it. life. For my life. Thank Big you. time. So you can email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. And guys, keep it cute. And keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.